You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer for fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you where we're going to talk about a season of television this year, and that is The Flash Season 4. But before we get to that, let's meet our cast for this week. So, first up, speeding to us from the far reaches of the internet is the world's foremost Flash fan, and that is my buddy, Sean Rosado. How are you doing, Greetings. Sean? Greetings. I'm, I'm doing good. Greetings, internet. Yes, it is I, the world's foremost Flash fan. He who knew that The Flash Season 4 was going to be better than season three because anything <laughs> other than season three would have been an improvement right yeah i was about to say i mean they they did set the bar a little low there so oh my god i cannot wait to go into this uh, but yeah no I'm, I'm happy to be here thanks for having me sir <laughs> oh, no problem so anything uh anything uh, exciting going on for you right now well, you know, uh, for those of you who remember me back in my Sean Cassick days, you know, Laura and I, we go around to uh, different conventions. You know, we have our Pop Cycle Bobble stuff and uh, still doing that pretty strong and heavy. Um, we are currently getting ready for Dragon Con, um, but we're also, because of all of our great hard work, are about to buy the house that we've been living in for the last few years. So that's a super exciting time for us. So we're really excited that we're about to buy our own home and uh, we're, we're really excited about that. But yeah, a lot of fun stuff going on over here in the land of Pop Cycled and awesomeness. Yeah, that is really great about the house. I did see you posting about that on facebook yeah yeah we're, we're really really excited yeah yeah because i knew that you wanted to buy a house but uh you know it's great that you get to buy the one you're actually living in so you don't have to worry about moving y- you know that is the one thing every time we tell people that we're buying the house that we're living in everybody's like you don't have to move that's amazing we're like, yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's kind of great you know it, it's not quite a done deal yet you know we're still doing uh, the last little like bits and pieces but as all of our uh, official people have told us we were not going to get this far if there should be any problems so fingers crossed internet land out there if this comes out before we finish closing but uh we're feeling very optimistic and and we're feeling good so yeah it's it's a good time all right cool deal mm-hmm. it's great to have you back on sean thank you it's good to be here all right and next up it is the guy who on his avatar looks like the riddler and uh <laughs> that is the guy who loves comics he still hasn't kicked thanos off his couch and that's my buddy eric ratcliffe how are you doing eric looks like excuse you <laughs> <laughs> oh i beg your pardon sir <laughs> are you going to riddle me something I'll riddle you my fist in five seconds. Hey, how's it going? What? All right, how are you? <laughs> with the Infinity Gauntlet. Oh, on. <laughs> with the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. Do you have one of those Infinity Gauntlets that people are oh, yeah. getting? Oh, yeah. Oh, you never saw. You never saw that picture I posted? No. Oh, yeah, well, I might have. So many people were posting them at that point that I had no clue who, who I saw and who I didn't. But yeah, those those are pretty Sean's sweet. Thought, yeah. 
Yeah, I know. I saw it because I was like, "Of course, Eric has one of these." <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got it from I got it from Walmart when it was on sale, so it was like almost thirty percent off of the uh, original price, which was nice. Mm. Right now, was it the full blown like one where like oh, the yeah. fingers? Yeah, yeah, that's what I yep. thought it was. Yeah, yeah, it looks really cool. Oh yeah, I love that thing. It's sitting on top of my uh, on top of the uh, beautiful uh, cabinet that I have that has most of my uh, action figures and collectibles in it. That's I have to oh. <laughs> I have to send you the link to Cryptocurium later, uh, Sean, if I didn't already. I forget if I did. <laughs> awesome. I look forward to it. Yeah, so stuff with me lately. I have uh, she's about four and a half, five months old at this point, my kitten. Mm-hmm. And she is a pain in my neck and is beating me up because she sees both the cords to my microphone and my headset and thinks they're toys. So she's Aww. completely beating me up right now. Yeah, that is my pain right now as well. I have a full-grown <laughs> cat, and she and she's always trying to chew on my cords and has ruined several charger cables that way for various iPhone, iPod devices, but I'm like, no, you're not going to have my, you know, headset or any of that stuff, so, yeah. Leave daddy's Other- technology alone. Yeah. <laughs> Other stuff going on. New Comic Day will be back very soon. I can't give an exact date and bigger announcements are coming uh we do have a new artist coming on board as well as george which i'm very excited for it's somebody who did a previous strip and that's all i can say sadly it is not phil hester though that would be amazing and then what else is going on i have a trip in a couple weeks i will be going to anaheim for a paramorphicon which i'm very excited for the big power rangers convention for those that don't know i'm very excited for that they actually have the I don't know if anyone's watched the second try at adapting Common Rider for over in America, Dragon Knight. Uh, they have the lead actor from that. He's going to be there, which I think is pretty cool. Okay. As well as plenty of Power Rangers, like Jason David Frank himself. So it'll be... It, I'm hoping I get the chance to meet him again. I haven't seen him since 2014, so I'll probably bring Riddler with me just to be like, hey, you recognize me from that time we met ages ago? I'm seeing Jason David Frank more than I ever saw him, even when he was on Power Rangers. He is everywhere these days, like, not only doing cons and stuff, but doing all sorts of fan videos and other things. Mm -hmm. You know, he's going to be bloodshot on the Valiant videos, and he uh, reprised his roles as both the Green and White Rangers for different uh, Superpower Beatdown episodes. As as well as the live-action Lord Draken himself. So, yeah, he's been doing a lot of stuff. So, yeah, yeah, no, he's he's definitely trying to work it. <laughs> and I'll be, oh, I'll also be doing Disneyland for the first time ever for a couple days. That's cool. Which is going to be super fun. Yep. I've never even done Disneyland. I've done Disney World, but not Disneyland. Oh, yeah, I haven't been to Disney World since I was in third grade. So, mm. <laughs> so it'll be fun to do the other park, the original park. Oh, and I did get a copy of that I will probably be reading on the flight. I finally got a copy of uh, You'd Appreciate This for Pretty Obvious Reasons, Nate. I finally got a copy of uh, Previously on X-Men. Oh, yes. Yes. I, I I am so looking forward to talking to Eric and Julia, but uh, yeah, it's, that's coming down the pike in a little bit. But yeah, that's going to be uh, a lot of fun. So I got, cool. I got that, and I got the history of uh, Phantasm, all five movies. They have this, art, this writer, Dustin McNeil, covers certain horror movies, so it's an unauthorized companion, and they call it Phantasm Exhumed. Hmm. So I'm looking forward to checking that out, too, because it looks pretty in-depth. All right, hmm. well, cool deal. Got a lot of stuff going on. Oh, yeah. All right, well, it's great to have you back on, Eric. It is great to be back. We have many rants in store, right? Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, I hope not. <laughs> the season was pretty good, but we'll see. All right. And finally, you know who I'm about to announce. He's the guy that seems to be on here all the time. He's the guy that you absolutely love to hate, and that is my buddy Ryan Guthrie. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm doing pretty good. I, uh, in the introductions with everyone else, I wolfed down dinner. So you know what? I'm happy and <laughs> satiated. And so my normal edges might be a little dulled, but, uh, you know, I'll do what I can for you. Okay. <laughs> so uh, what's been going on for you, Ryan? Well, apparently I just discovered there were five Phantasm movies, which annoys me. I thought there were only four, so I'm missing out. No, no, Phantasm uh, 5 came out last year? Uh, Two no, years ago? 2016. It's Two years called, ago, yeah. Uh, it's okay. called Ravager, and it was right before he, uh, right before we sadly lost um, Angus Grimm. Yeah. Angus Grimm. Yeah. So huh. yeah, he's got one more thing with uh, Boy... <laughs> but, you know, and, and just like with other movies that we could go into, the thing that I thought was interesting about Phantasm Five was it really finally sat down and explained what the hell was going on. And what it really did is it basically told you that the four movies you saw are not technically in the same world, which once you understand that, you're like, oh, you son of a. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a mind screw. So Barry is somewhere in Phantasm Five going back. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Damn it, Barry. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, it's something we pr- probably weren't going to touch on with this season, but you know, just the fact that I love the fact that after Jay sat Barry down and was like, "Don't do time travel anymore," he's pretty much been good about it. <laughs> you know, we true. haven't had any problems. So yeah. <laughs> I appreciated that. It's true. It's true. But no, definitely, if you get a chance to check out Phantasm Ravager, though, I mean, if you're a Phantasm fan, it's definitely worth your time because it is a really great love letter, especially to, I would say, like the first two movies. Wouldn't you say, Eric? Yeah, Yeah. heavily, heavily. It's a big love letter to those first two movies. Um, And it it does a really cool thing where even though the tall man, the the actor, Angus, is gone, there's a way for them to have like other versions of him show up. And they they can do some really cool things with it now, Um, even though I don't think don has said if he's going to do a six or not so i don't know no, I, thought, I thought don said it was over i thought yeah he, yeah so yeah okay so then it's over then yeah so but it, it was a great way to end it because it just opens it up i mean it's 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 interesting you, you should you should like it if you're a big fan of fantasy yeah, i'm yeah. gonna check it out all right and uh anything else going on for you ryan real life is a pain i mean <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah i know it was hard getting you to actually come to this episode this uh... yeah well you know I, I think we were talking about being fashionably late earlier but hey i'm, I'm a week and a day late so I, I don't know that might be like like the winner there right no just uh, <laughs> uh we had the we had my boss at work walked out in the middle of his shift you know and so that's just change things uh, dramatically for me but uh it, it, <laughs> this is how crazy my week was this week last monday was my wedding anniversary and it i i came this close to forgetting about it you know nancy <laughs> when you listen to this i didn't you know all was good you didn't even notice but, you know, <laughs> but it was close you know? yeah oh, geez, man, that, that's, you might have that, been that's... like <laughs> this week would have been like uh i can't show up because i'm in the middle of a divorce right now <laughs> yeah, you know? I have no internet. I'm living in my car. Right. <laughs> I'd love to be on your show, but my wife murdered me because I forgot my anniversary. Yeah, that would be bad. That would that would be bad. My body Ooh. is at these geosynchronous or, uh, 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 coordinates. I mm, think no I'm doing bad when I forget until like two weeks before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. 
Well, I'm glad that you remembered your wedding anniversary, and I'm glad things at work are uh, coming down for you. They're they're settling down, and now I'm I'm just kind of just looking forward to Dragon Con, and you know I, I think we're gonna for my wife's birthday in October. I think we're gonna go back to Paris because she really we were there for a day and a half last year, and she fell in love with it. So I think we're gonna go for a whole week or something, you know. And work's gonna have to deal with that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably the right call to make. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great to have you back on, Ryan. Great to be back. All right. And so, now that we've said our introductions, it's time for this week's five-minute controversy. And for those who are uh, just tuning in, we uh, used to do the five-question segment, but uh, that kept taking way too long. So now we decided to just talk about one thing for about five minutes or so. Uh same purpose, just kind of loosen us up before we dive into the topic. But this week, I wanted to talk about the firing of James Gunn from the Guardians of the Galaxy 3 uh, movie after some tweets of his from years ago resurfaced. So there's been a lot of debate about this on the internet of whether or not it was the right call for Disney to make, the wrong call for Disney to make. So I wanted us to talk about that just a little bit, see where everybody's opinions lie. So Ryan, why don't you start us off on this one? Okay, well, I, I think I, at least going from my Facebook I would say I'm in the minority here in the sense that I completely agree that James Gunn is not the person he was in 2009 or, or whenever it was, that he's evolved and changed and become a better person. But I'm also fine with Disney firing him. Now, I say this in the sense that I'm not the one who had to make that decision. Mm-hmm. If I was, I would think a lot harder and longer about it. But just my cursory examination of it to the to the extent that I didn't even go back and actually find the tweets. I've just read other people talking about them. My sense of the matter is... You know, they have to be consequences for our actions, right? And I, I and he's going to land on his feet. He's going to be fine. He's a good guy. I follow him, you know, on all social media, and, and I really like him. But I, I think if he if he talked about it, if we thought about it, that even he would agree that the people who defend him saying, oh, the message of Guardians is that we can change and grow and be better. Yeah, but part of that is also coming to terms with what we've done in the past and accepting, you know, how we may or may not have hurt people and owning up to that and uh, and just, you know, having to deal with the repercussions of that. And if that means that this is, that we're all going to suffer from it a little bit from not getting him in the future of the MCU in Guardians 3, then that's that. Um, it sucks. It really does. But like I said, part of growing up is just accepting the consequences of, of what you've done in the past. Okay, so you you haven't actually uh, looked at the tweets themselves, though, Ryan? Uh, I Some of them, like the ones that have been okay. shared oh, okay. by other people. Yeah, 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 I didn't go back and read everything, but yeah, I've oh. seen enough I've seen enough quoted and seen enough like screenshots of the tweets that, yeah, some of that stuff was really bad. Yeah, yeah it, it was pretty bad. And I mean, when you think about it, you, you also have to take into consideration the fact that James Gunn started his career working for trauma, you know, and trauma is all about pushing the envelope, being funny while being also extremely offensive. And in the time when he was working for them, which was the late 90s, very early 2000s, that was fine because you're in a niche market and you can make these really bad taste jokes because you're not buying into them. You're actually trying to satirize the entire event. And he tried a form of that on Twitter. But the problem was is that he wasn't responding to somebody's tweets. He wasn't, you know, doing a, a tweet back at somebody. He was making these comments in a vacuum during a time where some really republic, uh, re- repugnant uh, NAMBLA stuff was going on. 
And uh, when you look at his stuff in the context in which uh, and the time in which it was made, yeah, okay, you could see where he was trying to go. But as soon as you get out of that moment of time and you just look back on them, they look extremely questionable. And I believe Disney did the right thing by saying, hey, you know what? This is something that, you know, we, we have to step away from. You know, they have their own bag of garbage that they have to deal with all the time, you know, between Song of the South and, you know, that time Mickey did blackface. And they've done some really horrible things and they go out of their way to make sure that they try to stay away away from sensitive stuff like that so when you look at what james gunn did here i I could see that and i think probably the best thing that i personally have seen from all of that particular material was what his brother said which was that his brother said the man who wrote those tweets is not the same man that's here today he said that man was a person who would do something just to get a rise out of people just to try to get a rise out of the people he's trying to satirize to to be a person who would do questionable things not because he was a questionable person but because he wanted to poke the bear for lack of a better term Mm -hmm. and by going into disney and doing guardians and understanding how much of his voice was story-based and not this this really sharp edge uh uh, uh, counterculture uh uh uh, uh, satirization he realized that he didn't have to be that man anymore and he evolved and he turned into a much better person over the last seven years because of that and the man who's here now is not the man who would have made those tweets 10 years ago and he said even though disney wants to separate themselves from them he's so thankful that his brother went through that process because the james gunn that we have now is a far more stronger ally on the side of angels than he was you know a decade ago and and i think that stands because personally when you look at stuff that happened like that chris hardwick thing you know um you know i I think when you look at how people are measuring this i think this is a slap on the wrist for james gunn i think it's sad he won't be in guardians 3 but i don't think this will negatively impact his career beyond that um and i don't think it should i think that the slap on the wrist is what he deserves he got yeah. the slap. Give him a new project and let him go and do something new, and it'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the reality is we've all got skeletons. We've all said and done stupid stuff. If you dug, dug up any of our past, you're going to find something to embarrass us, and that that's just the reality of modern life on on online. But um, frankly, if I could be fired from my job for something I posted, then I, I guess that standard has to apply to everyone. Yeah, sure. exactly. But I mean, also, when I look back, like I actually went back looking at my tweets as far back as I could go. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I've never gotten remotely close to, to, to poking the bear like he did on that one. And I'm like, Man. I mean, you, you know, and it's that it's that deal where it's like, you know, like, you uh, let's be fair. You know, I guarantee you somebody that, you know, has probably made a joke like that in private face to face with a person mm-hmm. and they would go like ooh like if i said that to like my boss or if i said that around coworkers they would look at me weird you know like that is not really a good joke to make you know about you know molesting boys and stuff even though you're trying to make it about like you're trying to point out how absurd people trying to justify that is you know which is what his point was so, like you can't justify this those are children don't mess with children well that, um, that's about knowing your audience right exactly your audience is the whole world exactly you know? you know and context and so like he did that joke not realizing that A, it wasn't going to age well, and B, maybe this wasn't the forum to do that. You know, it's like uh, it's it was it was a bad it, it, it was a bad call all the way around, and uh, I, I think that's what he should be punished for, which is not having the foresight of hey, you know what? Maybe I should not necessarily be a a troll, even though I'm trying to troll the right people. Which I don't think anybody should be trolled, but in general, like if you're going to troll yeah. people, troll people who are trying to harm others, not just be a jerk. Yeah. Um, you know, so, yeah. uh, so Eric, we haven't heard from you yet. What's your opinion on this one? No, I mean, I agree completely with, with both Brian and Sean on what they've said. But I think the thing that bothers me about the whole conversation is the fact that, and yes, you know, like, 
while I'm a huge while I'm a huge fan of pretty much his whole career for the most part, I, I do think Disney made the right call in the long run. Even if the you know the cast of Guardians and certain people around both Disney and and the Marvel stuff are not very happy with the decision. I think the fact that a lot of people are overlooking like how everything came back out, even though you know he he'd already not damage control but already talked about this almost six years ago at this point when like the when these things first started popping back up it was brought it because it was without getting too heavily into it it was a politically driven move by a notorious scumbag and troll who pretty much went up to disney and like i said was politically driven by it and Mm -hmm. it's just like hey look Look! Look what Gun did. You're really gonna keep this guy around? And it's just like, who, who are you, man? What? Why are you? Why are you doing this stuff? It's like, yes, hold people accountable, but but then you look back on that guy's that guy's history online and the that he said, and it's just like, he who throws uh, stones at glass houses, man. Come on. Yeah. I mean, but the thing that I struggle with stuff like that, though, is, I mean, the thing is, if it was going to come out anyway, it might have someday around, you know, it's like the, the, the person who puts it out there isn't doesn't change whether or not it was right or wrong. You, you get what I'm right. saying? So, oh, no. yeah. y- you know, so, yeah, I mean, you can say like, oh, man, this sucks, especially because, you know, uh, it was the reason behind it, why it came to light was something that, you know, was was wrong. But the fact of the matter is, you know, it came to light and then it, you know, Disney has to respond to it. So, right. you know, it's it, it's, uh, you know, and I don't know what decision I would make if I was Disney on it. Um, honestly, I've tried to think about it and. You know, you try to weigh all the variables and you try to say, well, you know, Hollywood's trying to change right now. You know, we've seen that. We've seen uh, with the Me Too movement. We've seen with investigation of various celebrities and whatnot. So you don't want the popularity of the guy and the fact that he makes product that you like to be the reason that makes you a lot of money right. too. That may to be the reason why you uh, exonerate somebody um, because you know that's one of the things that I've been hearing a lot on Facebook that's kind of pissing me off is so many people saying, "But Guardians will suck if it's not directed by James Gunn," and it's like, "But that's not a reason," you know. I mean, it's not a good yeah. reason to say like, "Oh, well, he should get off." You know, if you would if you would punish anyone else for tweets like that, then you have to yeah. punish James Gunn. You know, you can't just say, well, he makes oh, this yeah. stuff we love, and then it's a popularity contest of, you know, hey, then, well, then, then we're back to Hollywood, same old, same old, you know, where Absolutely. It, the celebrities, you know, that people love can get away with anything. Yeah, I mean, there, there's absolutely no point in time where you could sit there and say art should supersede you know what's right you know right. and i i think there's always been you know really good examples uh in the world of that um oh god who is the director who molested the like 15 year old girl and he roman can't even polanski. Come roman, roman polanski right and like people still talk about how amazing roman polanski is and i'm like look i admit he's made some good movies but you know i have to really temper that now with the fact that you know he's done some pretty repugnant things and i choose usually not to watch his movies unless i'm just like okay i haven't seen this movie in like five or six years i'm gonna watch it because admittedly this is actually a pretty dope film you know but like whenever somebody says, oh, no, Roman, uh, new Roman Polanski movies coming out. I'm like, he could just go eat, you know, like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the big one for me is Bill Cosby, who oh. I absolutely adored. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, you know, it's hard for me to to see him now, you know, I mean, on anything, because it's just like yeah. he is, you know, knowing the kind of person that he truly is. Yeah. And, you know, it's just such a shock 
for the kind of person he portrayed himself as for years. Yeah, and it, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, go ahead, please. Oh, no, no, I was, it, uh, a few weeks, a few months back, me and a few friends of mine, after like a few beers, we were talking about it, and it's really, we came up with like, the, because how do you decide, like, it was about Kevin Spacey's, so it's the whole subject, right. and, and David Bowie, and like, are you allowed to enjoy someone's work uh, once you realize that they've done these terrible things? But part of that is, like, like James Gunn wasn't hiding anything like the rest of these people. So I, I think that's an entirely different category. But at the same time, I, I think you can appreciate something if you appreciated it before you knew how terrible this person was. As long as I'm not giving Cosby money, as long as I'm not giving Kevin Spacey money, I'm still going to, going to enjoy the usual suspects every time I see it. You know, um, but I'm not... I don't... I, if Kevin Spacey came out with a new movie, I wouldn't go see it. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's not getting a dime more. Uh, David right. Bowie's a little bit more problematic for me. <laughs> I might be honest in that I uh, <laughs> I look the other way, but I guess if you're dead, then it's a totally different set of rules. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. And I mean, oh, when you do. look at somebody like, you know, Kevin Spacey, or you look at somebody like Bill Cosby, there's still, I mean, everybody has to be measured by their own metric. When I look at Kevin Spacey, I'm like, that's a guy who did some pretty bad stuff and has made some really fantastic art and sounds fairly contrite in his you know in his apologies cosby literally from day one has fought it and called people liars and has never said i'm sorry you know and and for me that's a difference you know it's not like i'm ever going to go back to wow kevin space is like the greatest actor in the world you know but like i'm not going to burn my copy of seven or the usual suspects whereas cosby i can't even watch the cosby show and nathan we have mm. talked about how much i love the cosby uh, show. oh no that was the first time i met you was you doing cosby yes. stand-up routines so no i i know your love of cosby is like mine <laughs> and i can't watch it now and like he has poisoned my childhood look you know how people make that bad joke of oh star you know George mm. just ruined my childhood and stuff no, that stuff has never bothered me because that was an arbitrary thing. This is about a man who literally was, for lack of a better term, the father of the 1980s. He was the guy who taught kids how to be kids. And it was never a problem. And it was it was always somebody we could look up to and not only did he you know prove to be an amazing father figure he also was able to normalize you know what it was like to be african-american and affluent and show that people can get above where they think they should be and and all this stuff and it was like look at this guy who made this huge message and not to mention like you know picture uh, picture pages and stuff and you know he taught you how to draw and he did fat albert and it's like cosby was amazing and you're like you have a warm spot he's like that guy he's like that untouchable guy who would never do anything to hurt you and then you find out 30 years later, nah, if you were just a little bit older and he thought you were cute, you know, you would have had a horrible experience with him. And that's not the Cosby I grew up with. So when I mean, I went back and I tried to watch a Cosby episode and he's and he and he went to little Rudy and he picked her up and he put her on her knee. And I was like, I can't watch this. And I had to turn it off. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that to make a joke. I mean, I was physically ill by the idea that. You know, if Keisha Pullum was a couple of years older, it, Lord forbid, the older girls who were on that show, you know, mm -hmm. it's just like, I, 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 I dude, you know? Yeah. And I mean, Bill Cosby ruined the Cosby show. For that, you, you get kicked out of the country, right? right? Like, <laughs> See, that's the thing, though. 
for 30 years, it was pushed under the carpet because he was popular and he was, you know, well-loved by so many people. And so, so that's terrible. that's my point right there. That's what right. can't be allowed is for exactly. it to go that yeah. long before it finally comes. And now, like, 50 women have come out of, you know, the woodwork and said, like, hey, he molested me. Yeah, I mean, I'm saying 50. It's 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 a high number. It's, it's a it's ridiculously a high, number. high number. So, yeah, anyway, it wasn't like it happened one time. I mean, it's still bad if it happens one time, but, you know. Right. But then on the completely other side of that is James Gunn making really bad taste jokes to try to make fun of people who did stuff like that. And it's like, okay, James Gunn's going to get a slap on the wrist and he'll be fine. And even he's come out and said, look, I I totally copied this. Yeah, there's nothing in the comments that he has made that makes me think that he's like trying to take Disney to task and that he feels like they should reverse their decision. He seems really contrite about it and he seems to have accepted it as the the due course for paying for what he did that he thought was funny at the time and probably really wasn't and but yeah, yeah it's it, it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out because with the guardian stars and everybody else coming out uh you know saying that they're not happy with it and whatnot i do wonder if disney might reverse their decision the one criticism i would give of disney on this is now granted i don't know the exact timeline but it seemed like and i don't know maybe that's the right way to do it but it seemed like they it was immediate like they found out and like within 24 hours oh yeah gun gun was out i mean maybe there should have been a moment to pause and breathe and consider i still think they made the right decision but if i if i was to criticize them in one way it would be to follow up you know on eric's comment it seems almost like they were played uh that they that this was shown and they just reacted rather than uh, taking the time to make the right choice, which I think they did, but it, it didn't seem like it was necessarily them doing it as being forced to do Right. It. If they had wanted to make some sort of statement to show that they were doing something, they could have said, we're investigating the matter or something to show people that they were doing something about it while still taking time to think about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, if there's one silver lining to all this, and, and it really is the only silver line I can come up with, is the fact that if you look at what happened with the Chris Hardwick situation, which is, like, for everything I feel positive about uh, a James Gunn, I feel like Chris Hardwick just got a pass. Yep. Um, and I feel like, honestly, Disney, I, I think the reaction to fire him is fine. I think they should investigate a little bit more, make sure there's no other skeletons in his closet. Um, because, like I said, if this is as bad as it gets, slap him on the wrist, hire him back, let's get on with our lives, you know, or whatever. Like, I, I feel like that is an honest to God okay result out of this um because if hardaway can get his job back why the heck can't we get somebody like james gunn who clearly is is so far i mean it's been you know what two weeks now and uh, i mean and they still haven't found anything else on him there's nobody coming forward go and james gunn touched me as a child or nothing like that there's nothing horrible coming out about it everything that you're hearing everything is coming out gold for him um, which leads me to believe that uh, there's a possibility that, that, that uh, DC, uh, DC, sorry, um, that Disney bleh, is is at least they, they have the capability of reversing their decision once they've done an investigation. So fingers crossed. You heard it here first, folks. DC is going to hire James Gunn. John <laughs> yeah. Rosado reports. Well, oh, I mean, <laughs> the reality is they're still going to use his script for right. Guardian story. So you know, yeah. and and ultimately for me, yeah, my what I come down with on this is. Yeah, they were right to fire him, but whatever he does next, I'm going to be seeing it opening night. You know? Oh my God! Wouldn't that be such a coup if like DC with like their their tidal wave of you know people are excited for Wonder Woman two and Shazam and Aquaman? They announce like the next Suicide Squad or stuff that's going to be done by James Gunn, <laughs> right. and it's like, oh, you think we're a Guardians clone now? Well, look at us now, bitch! Right. <laughs> James Gunn. Oh, oh that, that's 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 cute, Sean. You re- you really think he's going to go for the big property? I guarantee, if Gunn went to DC, 
he's going full shadow pact. We're getting Detective freaking Chimp. Who are you kidding? No, no you know what? No, I, no, I don't think so. I think if he do, if if we get a legitimate James Gunn property, I think it'll be one of two things. It'll be Booster Gold and Blue Beetle. Yes. Or it'll be the Justice League International. Yes. Either I'm way, I'm okay with either. <laughs> I, I, I I want Booster Gold on my screen regardless, right? so that's... <laughs> Yeah, either okay. way, I'm getting Booster Gold and Blue Beetle, so I'm happy. So <laughs> just, just not the Tom King Booster Gold. I want the other, the good Booster Gold. Yeah, the the, the skin. Tom too, King the dropped team. the ball so hard. Anyways. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, we we've gone well beyond five minutes here, which <laughs> my bad, my bad. My bad. No, that's fine. I, I had a feeling this one would go a little bit longer just because it's such a hot topic. But yeah, um, I I was expecting uh, someone to at least to pipe in and say Disney made the wrong call. I'm, yeah. I'm kind of surprised we all agreed on this one but uh you <laughs> me know me too according <laughs> to my facebook this I is know, not how like, it's yeah, I, <laughs> I, mean, well, I think we can all agree it. that we're upset that it happened and we're, we're mad that it happened to him but we could see why it happened though and i think that that's telling yeah. over the whole situation is that we all get it we don't like it but we get it Alrighty. so uh before we dive into the topic let's pause for a moment for a promo from another fine podcast this week on my opie defend your childhood my Opie Defender Childhood is so named because I believe we are short-sighted on the things we watched as kids. So every week we watch a movie that one of the panelists grew up watching and see if they hold up from comedy to cartoons or to action. And for this season, the last Thursday of each month, we're doing a TV show in our Myopia Morning segments. We watch Saturday morning cartoons and afternoon classics. So find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. How will you stand when we put your past on trial? My Opie Defender Childhood is a member of the ESO Network and produced by Dude Letter Podcasting. My name is Barry Allen, and I am the fastest man alive. To the outside world, I'm an ordinary forensic scientist. But secretly, with the help of my friends at Star Labs, I fight crime and find other metahumans like me. But I became lost in time. It took everything in my friend's power to bring me back. And in doing so, our world was opened up to new threats. And I'm the only one fast enough to stop them. I am the Flash. And we're back. And uh, as we talked about at the top of the show, this time we're talking about Flash Season 4. And a lot of things happened in Flash Season 4. It was definitely a breath of fresh air, as we uh, alluded to before, after the uh, attempt to make the Flash a grimdark show in Season 3. And the emo berry that was Savitar. (laughs) <laughs> Which I think we can all agree was the worst way to go with Savitar and the worst way to go with Barry. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, just to throw out there, one of the one of the things that made this such a breath of fresh air, we got the character of Ralph Dibney in <laughs> season four. And since... <laughs> I know that Sean is just chomping at the bit to talk about Ralph. (laughs) Sean, did you enjoy having Ralph in season four? Oh my God. What the (laughs) hell took them so long to do this, man? Jesus, Mary and Joseph. Okay, when I heard we were going to get the elongated man in the show, I was like, oh, this is going to be either amazing or it's going to be really bad. (laughs) And considering we were coming off of season three, I was going for really bad. I was like, they're going to pooch this so hard. And what I thought was amazing with what they did with him is he's not a direct elongated man reference. He's Ralph Dibney, but he is a lot of Plastic Man. And I thought that was such a... I mean, there's like a good, I would say a good 45, 50% of the DNA of Ralph Dibney in this version that is completely 
Plastic Man. Um, and, and for those of you who don't know out there, there are two famous stretchy people in the DC universe. I mean, there's way more, actually, but there's two big ones that have stood the test of time. The Elongated Man and Plastic Man. The Elongated Man has always been a Batman-esque character. He's a detective. He's the guy who says he's he can out-Batman Batman, and they actually have contests to see who can figure out the crime first kind of stuff. But he's always been a straight arrow. Plastic Man was a criminal, like a straight up bad criminal who then was turned into a superhero uh, through a freak accident. And basically all of his childhood tendencies, all of his love of cartoons and stuff came out. And that's why he's so cartoony in plastic form. And they just took both of these and they smashed them together. So you get a cop who is bent and but not necessarily corrupt, but he he'll do what he has to do in order to get the right result that he feels is correct. Um, which, of course, as we know, is not how you're supposed to do police work. You're supposed to follow the evidence. <laughs> right. So they, they, they threaded this fine line about making Ralph into this person who he wants to be the hero, but he's also kind of a coward. And over the season, you get this amazing story of Ralph Dibney and how he, he goes from being a schmuck and a jerk to being a legitimately fun good individual and he's where they brought the funny back like it was like barry could become a mentor and he could start to become hopeful again and you had this new character who was a complete goofball who had no idea what the hell he was doing and i'm just going to rant and rave unless somebody stops me (laughs) yeah yeah so here's the thing first of all i am super happy that we don't have another speedster on team flash because Uh, as much as i liked wally it was just too much having Wally and Jay and Jesse and everything else. And it just felt very samey with like the effects, with everything. Right. Having Ralph in there allowed them to do all sorts of fun, different effects because of the way that they could use his powers. You know, where he could have the giant-sized fist, or he could, you know, stretch up and pull himself up, or he could absorb bullets and bounce them back, or he could do all those different things that you've, you know, you've seen in comics or cartoons or anything with people with stretchy powers. Right. And it was just fun, you know? I mean, it was a, it was a new thing to do. And, yeah. and, and, as, and again, as much as I liked Wally, and I, I really love Wally on Legends. Yes. Oh, God, yes. I never felt like the relationship between Wally and Barry worked like the relationship between Barry and Ralph works. Yeah. There wasn't enough need for Barry to be a mentor. And in fact, Barry spent most of his time just telling Wally, like, not to do anything. Right. <laughs> you know? And Wally didn't seem as much of a jokester as I'm used to Wally from the material uh, that I'm used to. And and so having Ralph, it, it felt like that was that right dynamic of Barry being serious and Barry being the mentor and Ralph being, like, kind of like the fun, you know, almost sidekick kind of character. Although I like the fact that they let him do some stuff on his own, too. Yeah, so to, to grow him as a character. Well, I think part of that was Barry never earned the right to be a mentor with Wally. I mean, mm. he'd had he'd been speech for what, like six months uh, when Wally came along. <laughs> Let me think. Uh, <laughs> about eighteen months total. It was about right, months. yeah, it's just yeah, like a year and a half. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I don't know. He still felt he still had some green on him. But whereas with with Elongated Man with Ralph, it was entirely different. He he earned that right to be the mentor. And right. to to bring what was it the elongated night? I love that episode. Yes. Uh, right. because, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> and and I think ultimately the reason that it worked is because of Hartley Sawyer, the guy they cast. Oh God, uh, he's think, so good. Yeah. Anyone else would not have been able to do it. 
like he did it. I mean, you're right. I mean, casting is nine-tenths of getting the, the dynamic correctly. I mean, how many times have we just gushed about, you know, Harrison Wells and, and the fact that Tom is just <clears throat> such an amazing actor, right? You know, and, and it's like when, when you talk... All Harrison Wells. <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying, like, you know, but, like, but just the talking about... <laughs> the, the Council of Wells. But I'm just talking about, like, as far as, you know, the actors that they got to play their roles. I mean, it's so critical. And when yeah. they're not quite right, you feel it, yeah. you know? And, and it took a while. Like, I mean, I... You know how much I was real, you know, like, kind of lukewarm towards Candace uh, Patterson um, in the in the early seasons. But by the time you get to, like, season four, like, she's feeling like Iris now. But it's funny, because my uh, wife is very much like, dude, seriously, can Iris just die? Um, which I think is actually hilarious. Like she, she's really hard on Iris, and I'm like, she's come a long way. Uh, she's come a very long way, but you, you still have that initial. Let, let's tee up on Iris just a little bit later. Let's talk about Ralph just a little bit more. Right, 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 right. Well, my point is that with... <laughs> down, Eric, down. <laughs> but when you get back to Ralph and you get to Hartley Sawyer, I mean. He nailed it right out the box. Like he was scummy when he needed to be scummy. He was funny when he needed to be funny. And he was able to weave between those two. Like when he gave himself abs and he's like, look at me. Right. You know, he's just like he's he's freaking out. Or or my favorite Dibney moment of the entire season is when the guy tries to rob him and Barry and he shoots him and the guy gets shot in his own butt. Right. Because it hits the elongated, you know, it hits it hits a uh, 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 it hits Ralph and it just bounces back and shoots him in his own butt. I about died. Like that was like one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Well, and here's the thing: a lot of times in these shows, they're so quick to want to give somebody a redemption story that it doesn't feel earned. Right. Ralph's story actually yeah. felt earned. It felt like this is a guy. He starts as a scumbag. He starts as a guy who doesn't care about the morality of things. I mean, he cares about right and wrong, but like you said, he doesn't care about following the right path. And and we never know if that person that he planted the evidence on. Was, was guilty, guilty or not. Yeah, we we right. still don't know. Right. And so, you know, it's very possible that he just took, you know, because his gut was telling him the guy was bad. Right. You know, that he that he just framed somebody. Um, so, but, but to get to the point where, you know, by the time that we think he dies, you know, where DeVoe, yeah. you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, don't, uploads don't, himself dude, into I him. I was depressed for a oh, month. Okay? God, oh, yeah, God. Yeah. I mean, that, that crushed me because I felt like by that point he had earned that title of hero. You know, and, and he had had like a great arc getting him there. Yeah. When this Barry says, a... "No, I have to save you," and Ralph goes, "You already have," and oh. he turns it to Defoe. Oh. Holy! Oh. Mm -mm. No, I'm not going to cry. It was not cool. That was a very yeah. mean thing to do to us, Flash Riders. <laughs> oh my god! The one thing I have to call shenanigans on though is okay. I get the whole stretching the face thing, and I'm even okay with the voice when he does facial hair and other skin colors. <laughs> is when I call foul. Yeah, the skin pigmentation <laughs> thing was a step too far. I, right. I, I was like, what? And he grows I mean, a mustache. I'm like, well, okay, what? Like, that was like stretching. Pla like even Plastic Man could mock up face, but it was always rubbery looking. You know, <laughs> it's like and, and elongated men never tried that. So even if you take the Plastic Man portion of it, he was always red, yellow, black, and flesh toned. So right. it's like. He no, like he's not just going to look like Warden Wolf. Like that's not going to happen. Like, what was that? Uh, you know, you you kind of have to let it go. We're talking about a series and a it's universe true. where a guy with a heat gun and an ice gun are considered superpowered. So you hey, know, hey, 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 hey no, they hey, are hey, rogues. Hey, hey. Rogues. <laughs> mm. No, but to bring it back to Dibney, yeah. uh, I will say another advantage he had was he began confrontationally with Barry. He began hating Barry. So that was even, it's not even that he met him and Barry became, you know, taught him to be a hero. 
first they had to settle their past. They, they were already in a hole, and they had to get to level ground before they could take it to the next level and make him a hero. This is a character who enjoyed strip club buffets, who <laughs> I was... And that could have come across as very creepy. You know? right? <laughs> very skeezy. But at the end, yeah, same thing. I'm like, oh my, no. I, I swear... I would consider not watching the rest of the season after he died. You know, I was like, "Nope, I'm done." You know, yeah, that's like how when, attached I got. <laughs> when you got to that moment, I mean, it's a kick in the it's a kick in the emotional huevos. I mean, mm-hmm. you're you're on the ground, like you're feeling it, and and that's what I loved about this season was the fact that we went from a season where they were trying to wring the emotional like on we out of you in season three. They were like, "You must have the feels for this season. We're gonna do this and we're gonna do that, and it's gonna make you feel." and we're all like killer killer you know (laughs) and then you turn around and you have this amazing season that is fun and light and cheerful and and just absolutely a joy and a hoot and and you get to the end of it or you get near to the end of it and and you have this moment where they just they they shoot you in the gut and you're like what just happened and that's what the show should be i hoped they were gonna fix it but i i had doubt you know, yeah. I was like, maybe this just was to be a gut punch, you know, that they wanted us to like Ralph just to kill him. But yeah, I'm, I'm so glad we got him back and that he's yeah. going to be back next season as a regular because as a regular. Yeah. Like, yeah. Seriously. How many times have they done that? Introduce a really cool character for a whole season and then they just kind of disappear the next season. They do that all the time. Well, yeah. I mean, they've had such a bad habit of not locking down actors. I mean, that's why Wentworth Miller yeah. is gone because they never locked him down like they should have. Yeah. Um, even though I will admit Whitworth Miller, I think less is more of him because you know how I love Captain Cold. You know how I love the rogues. And I love how when he showed up, it felt like a moment, you know, and I feel like if he was around every week, it might have actually watered down how much I liked his performance of Cold. So I, and, and again, that's that's something hard to admit, you know, because I really like his Captain Cold. But when he started showing up like and I, I love the fact that we have this this trap door now of Citizen Cold, where if they ever can sign him back on for an episode or two, he can come back, even though we'll never get the captain back. Citizen Cold, who is a very, very adequate stand in for the original captain, it is totally worth my time in watching because we get Wentworth Miller back and and, and he's a lot funnier uh, and, and he's a lot more okay with being himself and and okay he's not the bad guy but he still thinks like a rogue and it's fun to watch I, so, I miss snarky snart uh, yes I do I do miss snarky snart so that's that that is a sad point <laughs> yeah, but, um, Eric I, we have been talking uh, we've been talking a lot here I, I want to give Eric a chance here Eric uh, anything you want to say about Ralph or or even uh, Citizen Gold Citizen Cold is super snarky. What the heck are you two talking about? <sighs> well, and here's my Not other problem. With, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Citizen Cold comes from Nazi Earth, okay? And it's fine for him to be the optimist from Nazi Earth, but there's the things that he references, he, he references things that it's like, there's no way they have happy hour on Nazi Earth, okay? There's no way that they have, <laughs> you know, Tom and Jerry cartoons on Nazi Earth, okay? And it's just every time he references something, I'm like, it's the writers cheating, because this does not seem like a guy who's from Nazi Earth, you know? Yeah, <laughs> but, well, you gotta remember who the Fuhrer is on Nazi Earth, so, right. you know. <laughs> also, also, there's the flat out multiverse established already so you don't know and you notice how like ray and citizen cold are like two of the only characters on that world other than the villains that aren't surprised that heroes are showing up from another universe you know what i mean like it 
it, it's an easy no prize to explain away that uh, they might have got the chance to get other stuff from other realities. I know it right. doesn't explain it completely, but uh, I'm just saying the explanation is super there if you want to be nitpicky about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it does seem like any double-digit Earth is part of this integrated multiverse. It's just like one through nine or whatever that are isolated until recently. Right. What's um, what's the actor's name again that plays Ralph? Uh, oh, Hartley Ralph is Hartley Sawyer. He is like uncannily like early Jim Carrey. It's like <laughs> and I mean this as a compliment. Like, yeah, no, well, no, I, I prefer early Jim Carrey, so I, yeah, I agree. Yeah, like I see so much early Jim Carrey in him, and it's I think it's one of the things that like endeared him to you know like me, you, and Sean, and obviously Ryan, and like in like you know and everyone listening. Well, no, like few, viewers that are in like their their mid thirties or late late twenties and that that kind of age group, like that's what endear like you have the reference point of, like, you can tell where the performer is, like, pulling from. Like, you can tell where what inspired them. Because you could tell this guy super grew up on, like, classic Jim Carrey stuff and, like, a lot of classic comedy and just, like, the way his performance is makes him instantly likable, even when he's, like, a lethargic kind of creep with those very early episodes. I love this. I mean, it's it's a perfect ex- execution of a hybrid ideal character, as Sean was saying. Yes, he has some plastic man to him, but he's heavily at heart Ralph. He's he's that Ralph that we've all loved for for years, for decades, for like, you know, this this is a guy that you could easily see if given the chance would nerd the hell out over Sherlock Holmes in a heartbeat. Yeah, and and I mean, there's something to be said for the fact that now that we're getting Hartley Sawyer as a regular, does that mean that we're finally going to get a Sue? Um, right? I hope and, so. And for those of you who have uh, uh, been keeping up with DC for a long time, you know that Sue Dibney is as important, if not more so important, to the Ralph Dibney relationship because they become one of the perennial couples of the DC universe until something really bad happens. And I mean... I, I can't even imagine them trying to do something like that four or five years down the line. But uh, the fact that they could introduce a Sue and we could get to an identity crisis point, I Maybe think my- that I think that Hartley Sawyer could handle it. I think that that would be if we if we had that many years of the Flash or whatever the spinoff show may be. Uh, if we ever got to that point, I think that people would be broken and destroyed and and amazed and horrified. And if it would not, if it does not get like nominated for an Emmy, I think I'd probably want to riot. <laughs> a little bit, you know, because I mean, it's very Games of Throny. I mean, it's it's come on. I don't um, know with I, how with how Berlanti's <laughs> handled relationships so far. I'm um, yeah, <laughs> I'm not so sure uh, that I want it. <laughs> well, you know, but the problem the problem I've always had with the Berlanti verse is they try to do things too fast. You know, we were mm-hmm. talking earlier about Kenyon Lonsdale becoming Wally. Wally never had a yeah. chance to be bright eyed and bushy tailed. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the, the whole point of Wally West is that Wally comes into Barry's life when Barry is. Just just really understanding what it is to be the Flash. And then he has to teach this kid how to be the Flash. And it becomes a father-son relationship as much as it is a mentor-mentee relationship. And Wally is the person who, Barry has hope, but Wally inspires. And as they continue to grow, and uh, in the comics when Barry dies, Barry becomes the goal. And at one point, Wally surpasses the goal. And he becomes... He remembers that Barry is his Flash, but he never realizes that for an entire generation of people, Wally is their Flash. 
And if we'd have had that slow burn, if we were just getting to the point now where Wally was really coming into his own, I think that would have been a much more satisfying uh, story arc where instead we had Moody emo Wally and then he was like, okay, well now I'm okay, but I'm not going to be on the show because you didn't lock me down. So they didn't really do anything with him. And then he was on legends and, and he was starting to really become like a great addition to legends. And it's like, yeah, he's not coming back next season. It's like, what's wrong with you people? It was such a great move. Cause you have two flashes and you've got a show with a rotating cast. It's like, yeah, it's yeah. the other flash on legends. And it makes sense. Cause they needed a power boost. Yeah. And you with know, and it, yeah. yeah, it gave his character like new people to bounce off of, which helped him, I think be more, you know, dynamic and, and let him be more fun. And right. yeah, it's just kind of, yeah. Anyway. No, I mean, and I, I, I think that, yeah, I think it's a really, I, I think that that's probably my biggest complaint about all Berlanti universe shows um, is they really have a hard time locking down the relationship because I think that as a show, they, they, they crave the drama and they feel like if they lock people into a good place, they won't be able to come up with really interesting, dramatic things to do with them. And I don't think that's fair because, and, and I know we're probably going to something that Eric's not going to like, but you know, like I said, with, with, with Candace Patton this season, she started to become somebody that I was rooting for a little bit, you know, where like it, it, there was no real big drama. Literally, between. the only person. Uh, anyways, <laughs> no, 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 no. And I mean, I'll, I'll fight that one. I, I will, I will fight that argument because for me personally, you know, I thought that I was finally starting to enjoy how Iris was uh, able to not. She wasn't trying to be in love with the Flash. She wasn't trying to be in love with Barry. She understood that it was the same person. She understood that she is just as important to their dynamic as you know him being the hero and the savior. And and it and it wasn't about oh save me save me. It's like she's saving him to a degree too. And I mean they did it literally in a couple of episodes, you know. But my point is is that they started to get the fact that you don't have to make it a will they won't they you know like a Cheers thing or or you know oh they're in love but then they're star crossed lovers and they'll never be together again like uh, uh, Vibe and Gypsy. Uh, um, or even uh, 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 Wally and um, uh, uh, Jesse, you know, it's like they, they can actually have a healthy relationship on a show and it can grow and evolve and it can still be interesting. It may not be everybody's cup of tea, but it doesn't have to be this horrible, either super high or devastating crash through the ceil- uh, through the floor low. Well, the Cisco and Gypsy thing makes me think they didn't lock her down or something because oh, oh, it made no sense. Her. It just came out of left field where it's just like, oh, you know what? We've been good, but, you know, now I don't really care anymore and I'm just going to go. Bye. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, 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 and again, I think they must have not locked down the actress or something. Or maybe they have plans for next season for Cisco. I don't know. I want Golden Glider back, but huh. I don't know. Yeah, why, uh, <laughs> where the hell is Golden Glider? Why the hell is Golden She's on Glider Gotham out? right now. Stop <laughs> fish. I'm so mad about that. But hey, at least the upside of us losing Gypsy in some fashion or form is that we got another Breacher episode. And we had <laughs> Minipal's Breacher, which was hilarious. You know, like, I, I, seriously, can we just go back to the fact that I cannot praise this season enough for finally finding the funny again and finding, like, the happy? Oh, my God. 60-40. No, 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 no. Like, 85-15, dude. I'll, like, give you, I'll give you 70-30. I'll go 70-30. Because we'll get into 80, it in a little bit. I'll, I'll, I'll give, give you 70-30. I'll give you 80-20, and that's as low as I'm going on that. <laughs> but, but my point no, is, is that compared uh, to emo season three emo dude right okay, no i'll give you that one <laughs> except for the middle of the season and that's where i'll argue all right all right all right <laughs> but no um nathan right? wrangle us yeah I, that's well, what i'm doing well, i was gonna go back to ralph for a minute because yeah, yeah, yeah. sean okay. went on another rant instead of 
Okay, yes, please finish your Ralph thoughts, because we got to move on to other characters. What a Ralph is, and actually it ties into a point that uh, Sean was making, because they uh-huh. do, it's, Ralph is responsible for my favorite episode of the whole season, and I know it's a controversial opinion, because I know there are people that found it hokey and kind of silly, but I, I was a huge fan of Island Girl. I thought she was one of the more fun characters of the season, and getting to see kind of like a proto-tease at the Ralph-Sue relationship those, through those two was was really fun, and I thought it was a great episode until that gut punch towards the end, because it showed you that, you know, like, that there were risks at stake here, and, like, Barry and and Ralph were gutted for completely different reasons, but I thought a majority of that episode was so much fun, and just, like, you got to see different aspects of everybody, because Barry was being the... Barry was being the hard-ass. Uh, Ralph was legitimately trying to, like, protect protect the girl and be chivalrous, which was just driving her up a wall, but that was the fun of... That was half the fun of their relationship, because she's basically like, I can take care of myself, even though you guys are trying to help me learn my powers, and it's just, it was such a great episode until the until the gut punch, similar to what happened to Ralph before yeah. they did what they did at the end of the season, but... Yeah, that was... that was. I, I love that episode. Oh, yeah. oh, oh and it's just, we're going to talk about episodes just for a second. By the way, my favorite episode of all time of, of Flash is in this season, and it's inter-Flash time, so when we get to that point, we have to talk about it, because okay. I have so many positive things to say about that episode. Okay. That is a really good episode. Yeah, oh, yeah that's a good that one. Yeah. I love that episode so hard. It had J, so that automatically gives <laughs> right, it like a right, plus right, ten right. to a one out <laughs> well, of ten scale. <laughs> I, you know, I will. I guess my final thought, or what I'd say about Ralph, isn't so much about Ralph, but it's about what they did with every, almost every new character this season. I think every single one, even the small ones. I mean, each one of the the bus metas hit yes. for me. Becky, I, I, I found her so adorable. You know, I, it, there wasn't a single one of them uh, that I wasn't aw, Becky. rooting for. Yeah, oh, Becky, exactly. <laughs> and they killed her when when she became the body. That's when I thought, and then that's when I thought maybe they did really kill uh, later on. They really did kill Ralph. I mean, if they were willing to do that to her, then maybe they really did it to him. That's that's how I thought. That was the reason I thought that maybe there were no backseas here. And so when they worked one in, it, it was phenomenal. Uh, yeah, but- I will say one thing though. Nobody seems to worry about or care about the fact that the crying man one is still out there somewhere, <laughs> locked up. That the thinker was like milking him for his tears, and <laughs> if that poor guy is probably going to die from starvation or something, because you know, you, you he's know still what? alive like, out there. Well, you know, again, this is a show where they used to lock people up without bathrooms in these little cubes. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, we're used to that. <laughs> I, I hope there's some line or something in the beginning of season five about them finding him or something because otherwise it's just kind of like oh that poor guy he was just being tortured constantly for tears and <laughs> well you know what i would love for them to do is i would love for them to have an episode focused on uh da cecile horton and i would yes. love for i would love for them to finally show how team flash got a deal with the da so they could start using iron heights as their official like you know this is where we're putting superpowered metas because clearly it's happened but we've never seen that transfer. Like we've never seen them stop using. Uh, um, oh god, I forgot the name of it. Um, the pipeline. 
Thank you, the pipeline. We've never seen them uh, stop using the pipeline specifically, but clearly they're taking them to Iron Heights now. And it's like, when did that happen? How did they get around the legal problems? What the heck? Explain, please. You know, and it's like, I would love for us to have like a, a just like one episode all about Cecile Horton. And, and like, I, I almost want it to be like a Cisco is following her around with like a steady cam or something, trying to like get a day in the life of. And, <laughs> you know, she's going to court and all this weird stuff happens. And like, I, I, I need this in my life because I think it would be such an interesting episode to see from a legal perspective how team flash has basically become a a proxy arm of the 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 local police government i think that would be such an interesting episode to see i just love the fact that uh harry insists on calling her da cecile horton as if that's that's her name is that full title (laughs) i love it can i ask a question because i don't remember if it's ever actually explicitly said in the season why does cisco not take Breacher's job. They never. I don't think they ever said he would have to stop working with Team Flash. He would leave the show, right? Yeah. So, so that's the thing. Oh, he, is that what they said? Yeah, because he would said. have okay. to go to that other Earth and work there. And yeah, so, okay. yeah. So that was what he was worried about. And but then she didn't want to move the relationship to the next level, and that's why they had the whole falling out thing that happened. No, that part I got. I just couldn't remember if they said that he'd have to, like, flat out, like, stop working with Team Flash. I didn't remember well, if that was all right. So, about. so I had a problem with that anyway, because the whole yeah. deal about their Earth was that they didn't want people from other Earths interfering in their Earth. And that's why they killed anyone who from their Earth who goes to other Earths. Like, you know, when she went after HR. And so right. it's like, so how would they accept Cisco? coming from another Earth to work there, and they never really explained that part. Well, kinda... they, they I still re- want more of that Flash. I just, yeah. I just, it clicked into my head. I just realized. I'm like, we haven't seen that Flash since he was first teased. I really want more of that guy. Yeah, Flash 18? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it, it'd be an interesting one to see him come back around. But what I think is interesting is that what they basically did was they made uh, uh, their Earth, uh, if I remember correctly, it's 18, right? I, mean, I think that's it's 18, right. yeah. I'm pretty sure it's 18, but they made 18. 18 is basically the time masters of interdimensional jumping now. Like they're trying to stop really bad interdimensional breaches. So like they, instead of it being, we're stopping people from coming to our world and having our people leave our world. It's become all about how, okay, if we see dinosaurs, you know, from the dinosaur world show up on, you know, earth 572, we got to go fix that. No, remember there are only 52 earths. (laughs) Well, okay. (laughs) Uh, okay. Except for the hidden earth. X that we don't <laughs> yeah. talk about. Right. There's the hidden Earth X, and there's also the fact that there is more than 52 Earths. And if you've been reading in DC lately, you know why there's now more than 52 Earths. <laughs> there are 52 core Earths. Okay, right. But but see, the thing is, I, I just had such a big eye roll during the crisis on Earth X when they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. there are 52 Earths. I'm like, why would you limit yourself like that? Just say it's a multiverse, and there could be any number of Earths out there so you that know you can... Why? Okay, so years ago, what happened was that they were having a really... DC was riding on a high, and Jeff Johns was really doing a great job on basically everything he touched. And so one thing they did was they decided that they were going to give him a weekly series. It was going to be 52 weeks of awesome, crazy content of B-list characters. And the reason why they did this is they had a story called One Year Later, where Batman retired for a year, Wonder Woman had to go and become a diplomat for a couple years, uh, and Superman had lost his powers and would take him over a year to regenerate his powers back up to full strength. So it was a year without the Trinity. And And they basically just jumped over it, and then they continued the comics as normal and they said 52 will be the 52 weeks and what happened in that year when the Trinity is not there to help save people. So they went through this story. Jeff Johns did a really fun tale. It basically revolves around Booster Gold. Uh, if you've never read it, 
it's funny because eventually they bring in like Shazam villains and stuff. It's awesome. And, and you get to the end of it and they did some pretty interesting stuff. And people love that idea so much that when they finished the uh, story, they basically established that not only is 52 DC's good luck number, but it also was going to be the new number for how many multiverses there were going to be. There was only going to be 54. Uh, I'm sorry, Eric, do you have dissenting opinions? Not on the story itself, but, uh, and I love you dearly, man, but uh, aren't, aren't you giving Jeff a little too much credit there? <laughs> what, for uh, pretty, 52? I'm oh, I pretty love 52. sure there were three other writers involved there as well oh, as okay, two okay. editors. There, there was, there was. <laughs> I, I only go to Jeff Johns because Jeff Johns at that point was the guy who was really like, he, he was doing a lot of like the script plotting and whatnot, and then he would get other writers. But that's not to take any writing credit away from anybody else. He's absolutely right. There were three other writers. Yeah, Nate, uh, Nate this is one you'd want to read because it's Mark Wade, Grant Morrison, yes. Greg Rucka, and Jeff Johns. And well, honestly, Mark Wade Morris, has me sold on anything he wants to do. It's, yeah, so, right. good. And, 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 it's so good. Yeah, and Greg Rucka is really good too. Grant Morrison's parts of it, I'm like, eh. Grant, I, grants are the weakest. Yeah, grants are the yeah. weakest. But like the, the rest of them, they've done a really good job. And from what I understand, it came from like a story that I want to say it was Rucka and, and, and Jeff sat down and they broke it out, if I remember correctly. Yeah, um, and then it spiraled from there because they started right. putting Grant and uh, Grant and stuff in there, Mark stuff. Mark was yeah. like de facto editor at that point too, even yeah. though Stephen Wacker was heavily involved in the first half. But it, yeah, it's true. But <laughs> it's but fifty two, so fifty two <laughs> is really good. And I mean, what's funny is when it starts, it's not Booster Gold centric. But when you get to the end of it, you realize it's really all about Booster Gold. You're like, holy crap! What the hell just happened? <laughs> you get to the end of that, and you realize this is like Crisis on Infinite Earths level big that no nobody knows about and i'm like did they just pull that off like it was so good i then read countdown which was them trying to do it a second time the next year and mm. it just sucked so bad <laughs> oh my god i mean eric can you back me up on this one right like, oh yeah yeah oh. there's a whole mm. borderline pedophilia dark side and mary mary uh. miss marvel i mean not miss marvel uh mary mar mary marvel. is it mary marvel yeah yeah it's mary it's marvel weird yeah. it's it's weird and even I, though we got evil Mary Marvel out of that, which was kind of cool. And we got we got the one shot with. We're getting way off track. We, we are. Got we are. Awesome sorry, sorry, sorry. Their one shot, which I love. That's like <laughs> yes. the best thing that came out of it. Sorry. No, I'm glad that you guys though you're talking about things you love. Yes. <laughs> yes. But the point is, is that that's how 52 became such an important number to okay. DC. Oh yeah. Yeah. That. Sorry. Okay. I <laughs> uh, see. I thought it was a reference to the new 52. And oh, the 52 is a reference to that original run. Yeah. Okay. That, that's how it became their good luck number. Yeah. Okay. So. We need to talk about DeVoe, I think, because he is our big bad for this year, and he was such an improvement over Emo Berry as the big bad. Can, can I start? Please? <laughs> yeah, please. Okay, so, first half of the season, DeVoe is awesome. Probably yes. one of the best villains that one of these shows has had so far. Uh, Second, next to Harrison Wells, yes, oh, the yeah. original. Yes. Well, like, I'm talking the whole Berlantiverse, too. Definitely yeah. one no, of the no, best no, no, I, I completely agree. And again, next to Harrison Wells. <laughs> and then you get to the back half of the season. What the hell happened? Right. Yeah, well, okay. So, so, so yeah, I, I completely agree with you, Eric, because that's the thing. The first half of the season, I was like, holy crap, how are they ever going to be able to defeat this guy? He was so smart and able to predict everything that they did that it was like there's nothing that they can do to stop this guy and then all of a sudden in the back half it felt like there was not it felt like 
every he was super fallible like the fact that he couldn't predict emotion like oh i can predict human behavior but not emotion it's like but so much human behavior is predicated on emotion you can't like extract that and be like oh i couldn't see that my my per my personal theory connected to it is behind the scenes related and not actually like on screen related it's the they couldn't figure out how to properly handle his plan and his powers so they went this they went the obvious siler route and the second they started doing that is when it went downhill yeah i wondered if they had just painted a villain that was just too powerful and that they had to backpedal really quickly myself one of my favorite i can't remember if it's tony bedard or gail simone but it's a birds of prey arc and it has him going head to head with barbara gordon as oracle and it's the two of them going head to head using you know the pieces on the chessboard pretty much and like that was one of my first major exposures to the character is the fact that he was basically like a villain he was similar to the calculator but a little bit different because like he wasn't flat out oracle but he could go head to head with oracle in the way that he was brought in and it was just like that was my first exposure to the character if they had had him moving the chessboard pieces without going the full siler route i think it would have been a much more interesting and much much more interesting like story because the second you have him and and it's obvious too because like his brain couldn't handle everything even though he's claiming quite differently and i think that's one of the reasons like and they never explore it in story but it's like that's why his plan ends up so stupid by the end (laughs) it's just like he's overpowered and all of that stuff is controlling his system at that point so now he's an idiot Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, the first half, it felt like there was some sort of a plan and it was just slowly coming together again, like season one of The Flash, which is one of those perfect storytelling seasons where it's like every episode informed a little bit more about what was going on with Harrison Wells and, you know, how he was really the reverse Flash and all these different pieces started slowly coming together. And it felt like that was going to happen here. It felt like everything's just kind of sliding into place. And then suddenly it felt like the writers were like, you know, we kind of got halfway there and then we can't figure out exactly how to get to the end and it just kind of became muddled well you know what it was it it was it was quite frankly it was exactly what you said it was they they had a really good way of showing that this guy could always outthink barry but they never thought their own story to the end they never figured out like they they didn't break it down on day one this is how we get out of it and you know how much i railed them last year for that that just Full ending uh, of of how they they finished off season three. You know, and it's like they had such a beautiful way of wrapping it up in a giant bow, and they just didn't do it. And it's just like, oh, you suck so much. Just well, yeah. Oh. The things that I was coming up with were like Barry uses his time travel ability to finally like get one up on Devoe, but then that would feel bad after we just went through a whole season of saying time travel's right. bad, Barry. You can't have it be the thing that Barry uses to defeat the guy. And the other idea I came up with is that they have to get they have to get someone like Oliver or someone to think of something so stupid that DeVoe wouldn't predict it because it's like, <laughs> this is such a dumb idea. And right. I was like, but even that he wouldn't goes. feel all that satisfying because, you know, it would feel like, really, if you're super smart, you should be able to predict dumb ideas too. Right. The, the Mary Sue goes full Mary Sue and is able to predict someone coming from an alternate reality out of right. nowhere. Right. And it's just like, what the? No! 
That's, no, that's not how that works. <laughs> I know. He's like, Even yeah, though, was... You know what would have been funny, though, is if they did what Nathan said, and it's like Oliver just says, why don't we just shoot him with an arrow? And it works. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been one of the most hilarious things I'd have ever heard oh, about. Oh, no, I know. See, that was the thing. And See, I, I was actually hoping that the shows were going to be connected more strongly this season, and when they ended the mid-season finale of Arrow with all of Oliver's villains like ganging together, I'm like, oh, man, wouldn't it be awesome if DeVoe is the one who put all of Oliver's villains together and it was just to keep oliver occupied so that he wouldn't help barry uh you know or something like that and i thought that would have been really cool of course they didn't go that way but that's what i was hoping is like to actually see the thinker like playing all the different shows and and make him even a bigger threat you know because he was just keeping all barry's allies away because he knew that that was the only way he could defeat him or something instead we got the single worst villain that arrow has ever had ever anyways but this is a podcast we're not going down that route <laughs> I know, i'm just saying i'm just saying <laughs> right no i i mean personally i thought a really fun ending and this is something that i constantly come back to which is it feels to me like the writers are afraid to truly explore barry's powers because they're afraid of the fact that they're going to make him too powerful and one thing i thought would have been really interesting is that devoe's trying to change the entire world with four or five satellites it's like come on you're going to have to have way more infrastructure all around the planet to make this work the way you're claiming it's going to work and wouldn't it have been so interesting if barry was able to use his speed somehow to get a bunch of other people like remember how again in in uh, uh flash time if he had started lending his speed to other people and they like basically it was like they're all around the world they're all basically the flash right the name of the last episode is we are the flash right and like he was able to lend his power to like eight or nine different people and they're all over the world and, and the devoe it's not that devoe can't anticipate it it's that the variables are coming in so quickly because they're all moving at super speed he can't keep up with the changing variables and he finally makes a mistake and barry super speed is finally able to get over on him one fraction of a thing that he needs but because for him that fraction of a second is an hour he's able to finally defeat devoe that would have been a much more satisfying yes. ending to yeah. what yeah. we got <laughs> no no i i agree and, and you know he, the thing is it's so sad because i really like the fact that they were finally giving us a big bad who wasn't a speedster Right, because as much as I love the Reverse Flash, I feel like it's been diminishing returns since that. Since then, Zoom was okay, and Savitar sucked, which is sad because in the Savitar comics, sucked. those two characters were both great. Wouldn't have been so great if Savitar went to the damn Speed Force. I'm sorry. Right. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> if they just put a little bit of a break between Reverse Flash. Savitars, you know, add them spaced out a little bit more, they would have each felt like threats. But again, like you said, Berlanti, they speed things up way too fast, where it's like Barry just goes through all the big speedster villains like bam, 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 you know. And and I feel like because of that, the writers didn't set them up properly, and we didn't get them as cool as they could have been. It's true. But the, having the thinker and having that be the power is just this guy who's just really smart. It's something that's so completely different. It's not, you know, it's not something, it's something where Barry's speed isn't necessarily the thing that can defeat him but i kind of like your idea of after a season of barry thinking his speed isn't going to be what saves him finding out that the speed is by using that what you what you were just saying is having him lend the speed and stuff and using his powers in a new way that would have felt satisfying and wouldn't it have also been awesome for him to finally lock down like the the actual title of fastest man alive and people could not argue with him on it Mm. wouldn't that have been a nice little just like pin in your cap like no speedster has ever done that you know like i mean you could have had i mean that's what i wish like the reverse flash was still around talking to him as harrison wells because he's like we we, i've never what 
Like, <laughs> just to, to make a moment where Barry do, has done something that nobody has ever done. We still, to this day, have never had that moment where Barry uses his speed in such a unique way where everybody stops and goes, holy crap, that's a Barry trick. You know, because they, they constantly do that. Oh, well, Barry learned how to do it. Five seconds later, everybody else can do it. You know, and it's like, and that's what I loved about Interflash time was that, oh, yeah, he could do this thing and check this out. It's really cool. And they can't do that or they can't do that as well. And I'm like, yeah. Interflash time was great up until the resolution where it's like well, some, we can trick the speeds force into, you know, right, destroying right, right, this enough. thing. And yeah, yeah, then, yeah. you know, by taking the thing out that was, yeah, anyway, anyway, you, you, you and I both agree that how they've worked the speed force into this show has been uh. horrible. <laughs> <sighs> it's Valhalla for Christ's sake, man. Make it Valhalla. But to be fair, the last five years of Flash in the comics, they've been screwing with the speed force in really bad ways too. So yeah. this is not unique to the TV show. Like people are mishandling the speed force in general and it's really getting on my damn nerves. Yeah. But but you know, I want to see more creative uses of the speed force and and, and, yeah. and you're right. Enter Flash Time is you know, them starting to, to take their first steps into that direction. I just want to see the villain that can, like, drain momentum from objects and redirect them that was supposed to be Savitar, but right. no, instead we got a speedster in an Iron Man suit. You yeah. know, which isn't really right. I, lo- I love Sean's idea for the whole we are the Flash thing, but <laughs> instead... Instead, it became Iris pissing off the entire internet. All right, I'm going to let Ryan have a, have a word about DeVoe if he wants to, and then we're going to talk about Iris. But, Ryan, do you want to say anything about DeVoe? Uh, I, you know, for the most part, I think we've covered most of it. I mean, uh, that's it's a pretty clever idea, uh, you know, to bring the whole world into it, so to speak, to defeat him. I mean, really, I just kept expecting at some point for them to say, the only way... He, he devotes out thinking us, so we just have to stop thinking. And for them to break out, like, you know, a 22 sided die and to start rolling. <laughs> <or planning. laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have been great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of what I was looking forward to. But uh, no, I, I, I guess. <laughs> and then, like, one of those body dies to show where you hit him. Right? <laughs> Did I roll we a sh- one? Did I hit him in the head? Like. <laughs> Oh, I rolled a 19. I hit him in his left foot. Son of a... Yeah. Yeah, I I completely agree that the problem with the thinker, or for that matter, and they did the same thing with Zoom and uh, Savitar, is you build them up in the first half of the season, and then you kind of have to start chipping away at it to make them defeatable in the second half of the season. But uh, my only comment on the Speed Force that (sighs) is kind of tangential to the season to what I think is the greatest sin of this season, and that is bringing Barry back in the first episode. Yeah. And then just completely, oh yeah, they built up the only, they built up season, the end of season three as being this thing where Barry was going to be locked away. He's going to be gone forever. You know, goodbye. Iris has to step up and be the leader. And to her credit, Iris did. But then, yeah, season, Cisco apparently out of spare parts can build this bazooka to bring him back. It just, ah, that, that was uh, that hurt. Yeah, if I was Keenan Linesdale, I'd be pissed and want to leave the show too, because I mean <laughs> that was really the opportunity for his character to shine, and he gets half an episode, and then that's it. You know, it's like then Barry's back. Oh my god, that was such a disappointment because we talked about this last season. That one of the things I was looking forward to season four was we were finally going to get at least because we know Barry's coming back, but at right. least two, three episodes where it's going to be Wally West is the Flash. You know, and I was like, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be great. And they they wrapped it up in 20 minutes. 
Yeah. And to be fair, that 20 minutes was a lot of fun with him being the Flash, where he's trying to convince people he's the Flash. I love that. <laughs> I needed three episodes of that. I wanted it to, again, it's Berlanti speeding it along too much. Let's get back to as close to average as possible so that way we can tell these interesting stories. And I feel like that's my one complaint about the Berlanti verse in general is they're, well, some of them are not afraid to do it, but at least between Arrow, Supergirl, and Flash, they're, they're afraid not to mix up the core group. They're, they they, they want to try to get back to a neutral state of equilibrium as quickly as possible and i feel that hurts the dramatic potential of the show yeah well yeah because i mean uh, yeah um they could they they, they, you know because grant gustin's got a contract i get that but they could have done the angel season four route with cordelia and had it where you just like see a flash of barry in the speed force for a few seconds so that yes grant gustin was in the episode but the episode isn't about barry yet you know and uh you could have done that for two or three episodes and and done something there and so you know and, and let wally be the hero and yeah. that was yeah i i, I that's why when everybody talks about uh you know oliver being out of arrow i'm like 20 minutes guys <laughs> season yeah, seven yeah. they're gonna break him out of prison in 20 minutes or, <laughs> and or oliver will be back or they're gonna be smart about it and they're gonna have a parallel storyline with him for a few episodes in prison. Yeah. Kind of like yeah, kind of like, yeah, like they did with Barry, you know, during uh the trial of Flash or whatever. And and, and that's that's the thing about the show. With anyone just about anyone except Barry, they're willing to change them. Uh, what they've done with Caitlin and Killer Frost this season has been pretty darn good. I've enjoyed and revealing that hey, Killer Frost goes back to her childhood. That was right. a bombshell for me. But yeah, th- for some reason with with Barry and Iris, they feel the need to reboot back to their default state in, at every episode. Yeah. All right, so here's my theory. My theory is that Candace Patton has threatened to walk, much like Wentworth Miller and other actors have. I feel like Letter. the writers are so scared of <laughs> Candace Patton walking that she that they have beefed up her role to a ridiculous degree this season. And that's why we have to the point where not only do we have crappy couples therapy every other episode, <laughs> but we also have Iris being the leader of a team that never needed a leader before. It doesn't need right. a leader, but it's just to oh. give her more screen time oh, and make her even more unlikable as a character. <laughs> I'm sorry, Eric. I'm treading on you. Talk about Iris, Eric. Oh, man. The <laughs> second that first episode came out. And they should have they should have just had a flashback to when Iris tries to take take over the team and had either either Caitlin go, oh honey, or 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 uh Cisco just kinda go, uh, where's your father at? <laughs> or even or even, you know, even though um Harry wasn't there, it's just like you have you have Harry just show up and be like, Wait, why why is uh why is girlfriend or wife in charge now where uh <laughs> we're getting does, barry does back anybody, right does anybody think the couples therapy section sessions are actually funny oh i did i thought they were oh, hilarious yeah. i did too yeah they're kind of, they're kind of funny <laughs> it's uh, I, I don't get it because i mean if you can't talk about like anything there's no point having therapy in the first place and i just feel like they're awkward and weird and there's it's just not funny to me at least i i find them painful to watch here's the thing and it's very very easy to explain it in in your head is 
it's so obvious the psychiatrist knows and she's just playing along at this point. Well, they need like a Doc Samson. Type. I don't know if DC has a similar character, but you know, in Marvel, it's Doc Samson where it's a guy that, you know, all the superheroes feel free telling their particulars to him because he's also a super powered guy, whatever. And so that's who they need. It's not. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Uh, this is going to bother me. Sean, you might be able to help, help me out here. What's up? It's one of the JSA members, isn't it? It's oh, not. Well, I, a, a lot it's of not Dr. To- Midnight. It's. Uh, a lot of them go to Dr. Midnight, though. Dr. Midnight is the guy they talk to while he's, like, performing oh, really? autopsy. A lot of them will go to him while he's performing autopsies and stuff. He'll, he's autopsying people. They'll come up to him, but they'll just start spilling out their problems while he's sitting there like, oh, I'm trying to find out what alien gun shot this guy. And he's, like, ripping into people, and they'll just start spilling their guts to him. Um, but, no, oh. I don't think he's, like, the guy, though. No, no. Okay, you know what it is? Because now it's clicking into my head and why I thought it was Dr. Midnight. It's basically the old guard. It's, like, it a is. mix between... It's a mix between, like, the classic JSA guys. It's a mix between Alan and Dr. Midnight and, uh, right. and like, and, of course, everybody, everybody's favorite Flash on, on the show other than Barry. <laughs> it's Jay. It's, it's all those guys. Even Ted. It's, oh. It's I, I don't everybody. know. I, I think Jay actually beats out Barry for me as a favorite Flash. <laughs> that's a whole other, that's that's a whole other thing. I get him, like, two episodes a season now. But, uh, but here's the thing. I mean, so... You know, I I used to joke about Iris being an awful reporter, but that's just because they never showed her being a reporter. Now we've gotten to a point where she actually just quit her job, somehow is independently well. I mean, I I know that, I guess it's because Harrison Wells left everything to Barry and he must have left everything to Iris when people, well, that's right. She never even, they never declared him dead. So actually, I don't know how Iris was making money when, um, uh, you know, uh, supposedly, you know. She's, she's a blogger, Nathan. I think you know how, (laughs) look how wealthy you are. (laughs) But that's the thing. It's like, I wanted Iris, I wanted them to get more serious with Iris and actually show her being a reporter and show why she's awesome as a reporter. And instead, it was just kind of like, now we're going to just drop that whole reporter thing and just, you know, make her the leader of Team Flash. Well, I mean, like, even in the comics, if you read the Silver Age comics, it was never a huge part of her identity. It was, she was a reporter, and that was why she was always on the scene, but she was always the damsel. Iris didn't really become an interesting character until she knew that Barry was the Flash, and they continued their relationship. When she had to now become a part of his life, and then ultimately became the grandmother of all things Flash, you know, and, and, and you know, her murder, and how she's from the future, and all that crazy. I mean, if you've, seriously, if you've not read the 60s and the 70s Flash stories, it Iris has a very screwed up backstory, to the point where it is almost indecipherable. Well, at this point, Sean, I actually wish they had killed her off in season three, and <laughs> yeah, then really, no, right? no, and then just gone the comic route. Uh, where with she winds her. up in the future, yeah, right. Where she winds up in the future because I feel like that would have given her something more, like a, a little bit more of a reason for why she's important. Right. Why you know because she knows stuff and she Wouldn't can only sort awesome? of leak yeah. it out like a little bit at a time. You know because that's like all the Mark Wade stuff that you had me read. Like mm-hmm. that's the way Iris is. She knows yeah. all this stuff, and it's the moral issue of how much can I tell them without right. screwing things up. I'm from the 25th century, and I literally have written the book on the Flash, but I can't tell you about it. Right? Yeah. That would have been really cool to see. I feel like sometimes Berlanti's so worried about going super far out there that they miss, like, obvious storytelling choices that would make it better. 
Yeah, well, and, and you know, then I sit back and I kind of look at him. I go, but they did a Gorilla Grodd War where we literally had apes <laughs> running through Central City. How can they be afraid of doing an Iris is from the future storyline? Like, come on. They like, seem yeah. more afraid of doing future stuff than anything, though. Even with Legends, it's like they, they try not to go too far out there. Even with the reverse Flash, they retconned him to only being like 100 years forward rather right. than being like 500 years forward. Yeah, or what, he, you he's know. from the 25th century. Yeah, yeah. Right. So right, it's right. like, I don't know, for whatever reason, they feel like the future is like something it's too far you know like you can't go too far in there or it's too weird and i'm like no you got time travel you're doing this just go for it you know no definitely there's definitely a moment where you have to look at the returns of what they've done with 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 candace Patton. and i mean i think that quite honestly they didn't know how to handle her they they wrote her like a cw character when they first introduced her which was oh well i can't like the guy immediately because if i do that'll make the story too easy Mm -hmm. and then you know, okay, well, now I like the guy, but, you know, I don't know that he's the Flash. And, and, yeah, and then and they it was realized like, that they'd screwed up by putting Patty in there, who was so much more likable. And they're well, like, crap, yes. we have to write Patty out. When you have, that's that's one of the biggest issues, is the fact that Candace is not a bad actress. It's no, the fact that It's the fact that the two of them have basically zero chemistry. It's and true. then you have Linda, and then you have Patty, who both had so much chemistry with 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 them as as an actor and an actress. The two of those characters had so much chemistry with Grant, and then you go right back to her, and they have zero chemistry. They do yeah. feel like brother and sister. They yeah. don't feel like you know <laughs> what I mean. That, well, that's the problem right there. Is again, just like. <laughs> Now I'm imagining the Back to the Future scene. It felt like kissing my brother. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, 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 yeah, totally. <laughs> it's, it's almost incestuous, right? And they've been working backwards from that. And it wasn't until last season. It wasn't until she, Iris accepted that she was going to die that I really started liking her. That I really thought this was a, a pretty cool character. I kind of and that was a great episode where she accepted it. and She was like, "Oh, I know I'm going to die in like a week, so I can just do anything now." Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. I can't die today because right. you know, I'm going to die in a week. You know? right. But yeah, so I mean, I feel like there are things they can do with Iris, but they just don't know what they want to do with Iris, and they don't want to get rid of her either. Which I completely understand. I don't think they should. But I, if they're not going to make her an investigative journalist, I do think making her leader of Team Flash was the worst. I, I get her helping Wally out while Barry was gone. That makes perfect sense. But after that, yeah, this season's Iris just felt more, I won't say annoying, but she did kind of great on me a little bit. It just, I don't, this is going to sound really wrong, but aside from the romantic aspect of it, aside from a romantic love interest for Barry, I had no interest in her this year. Well, yeah. I definitely think that's because they haven't established her her leadership credentials at this point. Like, we've not seen her be the leader. And I know that's what they were trying to do in the first episode, which, again, if it was three episodes of her struggling to learn how to become the leader because that's what Wally needed, wow, it would have been a much different situation. But 20 minutes, you know, and I hate it that shows do that because, and, and I mean, granted, I understand. We always jump ahead six, seven months between seasons. So there's always this big time jump that happens. And I understand that that's just the nature of TV. But you know, couldn't they have given us three episodes where they just give us flashbacks mm-hmm. from over the summer or something? You know, right. like where it's like she's learning how to become a leader and she makes mistakes and then she learns how to be a better leader. And then they cut to Barry being in the Speed Force. And oh, great. Guess what? The Speed Force isn't hell. It was just hell for that moment because you were being a douche and we had to slap you on the wrist. But now everything's cool. Check out Valhalla. Isn't this nice? They could have fixed the Speed Force and Iris 
yeah. much more efficiently if they had just put the care and time into it instead of saying, it's okay now. Yeah. Well, on, on top of that, not only did they make the mistake of not dragging out the whole Barry being locked away right. to show us a leader Iris, but the, really the majority of what we saw leader Iris do in that first episode was argue against bringing Barry back. Right, and so we already kind of like uh, that's already. I kind of hate her for that. Right, <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. It's like I, 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 they still never sold me on them being a couple. And it's like even when they were dating, and it was like she could only really get into it if he was like being the Flash during their date, you know, mm-hmm. instead of them like talking about anything else. And it feels like she only likes him because he's the Flash, and I have such a problem with he's that. Her brother, <laughs> right. <laughs> Anyway. Since I don't want to completely sound negative, and like I said, because of how good an actress she is in general, and I mean, the character, while mostly terrible this season, especially with the whole, we are the Flash, shut up. (laughs) Shut up. She took that that sword like a badass. Yes, I was going to say that. She She had more chemistry with DeVoe's wife than she had with Grant. Well, I, and again, uh, I think to a be lot fair, of that, everyone has chemistry with Devoe's wife. Like, right, you know, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure anybody would have chemistry with Devoe's wife. It's the yeah. Answer. Honestly, I kind of want them to find a way to bring Kim Engelbrandt back as like a, a fairly regular character. Like, I want them to find a way to bring Marlies back as a series regular, or at mm-hmm. least a very heavily recurring character. I, I think that would be a lot of fun to see because it, it reminds me of what they did with Pied Piper. Remember, like at the end of season two, like, oh yeah, he's our friend now. And then we've never seen him again. Like, yeah, I was going to say, where the hell is Again, because they didn't <laughs> lock down the actor. It's like, what the hell? They, they mishandled the rogue so badly, man. It's like, we don't got a Piper. We don't got a Cole. Well, we, now we they're barely... going to do, like, junior versions of the rogues. And I think they're going right. to try to have more of them together so they can finally do a true rogues. Yeah. Because before they were just kind of singles and they were older, except for right. Beat Wave and uh, Captain Cold, who were together, yeah. of course. I would never want Tom Cavanaugh to leave the show, but if he ever did, I could see her character sliding into that spot. Yeah. That sort of, yeah. you know, mentor scientist uh, character. Well, the problem is they've they've gotten rid of Harry's mind, so they still need, I think, a mentor scientist character that they want to go that. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I thought they were writing him out of the show with that finale, but... Nope. <laughs> but yeah, but he took a selfie uh, recently with the rest of the cast. So yeah, I'm there's pretty no sure. way. Berlanti knows where his his bread is buttered, and he knows that people love Tab Kavanaugh. With like, well, it seems like every virus. season though. Before this one, it's been like this thing of he didn't sign on to the season until you know late. You know, yeah. where it's like they he must have been going through some contract negotiations or whatever. Right. And this season, I didn't hear anything about, oh, we finally signed Tom Cavanaugh. He's just taking a selfie with the cast. So maybe they locked him into two seasons last year or whatever so that the season wasn't a question. But, yeah, I was like, oh, God, are they written out? You know, after, like, they couldn't figure out another way to do, like, a different version that would work in the show, and <laughs> so now I mean, he's I, gone? I mean, I gotta be honest, now that we've had a Mad Max Wells, and we've had, <laughs> like, I mean, we, we've had Artist Wells, and we've had the uh, um, the Hugh Hefner Wells, I, I'm, I'm hard-pressed to see what we're going to get next season. <laughs> I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? Well, my, my daughter is crushed, because if they have Harry just as this happy-go-lucky Harry that isn't intelligent, she's just like, they've ruined him. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. You know, she's like, I. Uh, that's what I like. She liked him being the, you know, the the the, the hard guy, the guy that yeah. you know didn't have the emotions and whatnot. I mean, honestly, I think what'll happen is I think we're going to see the thinker too in Harry. We're going to see him have to go back to the cap. It'll it'll happen in, again. Um, in season five, I want to know how he found Gideon's memory because suddenly there's that episode where he just like yeah. plugs in the thing, and I'm like, wait, where did he get it? <laughs> yeah, the, you know what? Gideon is a loophole that they have to kind of ignore because right. if they talk to Gideon too much, they just screw. It. There's a problem. The only problem I have with season one is the fact that they wrote so many loopholes into every story they have that all they have to do is go to Gideon and say, Gideon, how did I beat this? Right. That's you know, and they they have to Wait. find a way to break Gideon. Basically, well, I still I still want them to fix the timeline because of the fact that Barry has now told a past version of Thawne two times that he like he beats him and that he dies. And so it's like there needs to be some way of showing how we can close that loop so that Thawne, knowing that Harry's going to beat him or that the Barry is going to beat him and that he's going to yep. die, fixes it so that it looks like he dies when Eddie dies, but that he really doesn't, you know? And so that way they can finally fix this hole that they have in their plot with the reverse flash. Yeah, they, they need to fix the reverse flash because the, the, the great thing about, uh, you know, Eobard Thawne is that no matter what you do, no matter how hard you think you crushed him, he's a cockroach. He always comes back. <laughs> and this idea that he's just bouncing around time and he's basically trying to stay away from the black flash while being very cool is also like, come on, seriously, fix it. Right. Like, just fix it. All right. Like, make the black flash what he's supposed to be. The, the specter of death for speedsters who are about to die, because when that means you see him, that means we're going to see a character die. And maybe it's not even a speedster. Maybe it's just speedsters can see him. I would love to see that happen. We're like, we like, let's say a character, a major character is going to leave. Like, uh, God forbid they're going to write out Joe or something. Right. And Barry starts to see the black flash running around like 10 episodes early. And he gets in. He's getting closer and closer. And Barry thinks he's coming for him. And it's not. He's coming for Joe or something. That would be Amazing. As sad as I would be if Joe died, I feel like Joe's been living on borrowed time since like midway through season one. So I know. I know. I can't believe he's made it this far. Yeah, I mean, the fact that we're going to season five and Joe's alive, I I do give little high fives because I love Jesse Martin. I think Jesse L. Martin is a phenomenal actor, and he brought so much to the early seasons that. I, basically, he's coasting on the goodwill of that, and I'm okay right. with it. <laughs> yeah, but you also got to remember he's about to have a baby. I mean, as soon as start next season five when he's you know three days to retirement, it's, right, it, right, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and the Batman shows up and he's like, "I need a new sidekick." <laughs> takes the baby and drives off. <laughs> Nate, were you gonna were you gonna bring up one of my? personal favorite characters of the season and i know i'll catch flack for this but uh obviously the actress is most well known for uh for playing starbuck on uh, Battlestar galactica but uh evil mary evil mary poppins as i like to call her uh, well yeah oh, i was gonna i was gonna just throw it open for team flash but yes we can talk about amunet evil mary poppins i refuse to call her her real name <laughs> sure yeah i felt like amunet was like five notches o- over the top more than she needed to be but you know i like katie sackoff enough and i loved her as starbuck but her character in the flash just really grated on my nerves a lot you know you know what she was she was basically the joker yeah kind of? yeah the kind of yeah, yeah with with big metal shards 
Yeah, she she was a meta power joker where she just loves the chaos that kind of happens around her. And honestly, I, she looks to be completely fair. If you're going for a Joker esque character, you got to be like the trickster, or you've got you've got to look more bizarre. Like she looked way too normal to have that trickster person, uh, that 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 Joker personality. I needed if that was what they were going with her. Like I, she should have been way more wacky looking. But I mean, I I like the idea that we finally got a, a fairly serviceable Joker since Heath Ledger, and she did a fairly decent job. I just wish that she was a little more over the top about it. So, so is the dude with the with the with the tongue in his eyeball like a real like villain in DC? Oh, not that I remember. No. Okay. That's a, no, it's <laughs> not a tongue. Weird. It's a snake. It's a snake. Yeah, but I don't remember him. Be, if he is, he's a D-lister that I'm not really familiar with. Yeah. Uh, I think he might be an bizarre. original character for Brillantiverse. Yeah, I think I, he is I've too. never heard the name before unless it's like super obscure. But then again, the Fiddler is a male throwaway joke from the original Suicide Squad run. Right, so. yes. But at least the Fiddler is real, though. I mean, the fact that we... Mm-hmm. By the way, can we just give props to the fact that we actually got the Fiddler this season? <laughs> like, what the hell was that? <laughs> I kind of loved her, though. She was fun! Here's the thing about Amunet, though. What I liked is that they brought in this idea of a metahuman slave trade that yes. I thought was an interesting yeah. idea and something to play with. Because, yeah, if there were real people with superpowers, of course, like the Yakuza and the Mafia and every kind of organized crime would want to get their hands on them, which is why I thought mm-hmm. it was stupid and Arrow when that quadrant, which is supposed to control all crime around the world, didn't have any metas on their payroll. But that's a whole other topic. So, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> you don't understand. Arrow's supposed to be grounded, sir. The Flash is where all the metas live. Whatever. <laughs> but anyway. Roll into the curve, Berlanti. Roll into the curve man <laughs> sit there, get all your freaking writers for all four shows five sorry black lightning technically in his own universe right. but get them all to the same room sit their asses down riverdale <laughs> oh my god no. if they found a way to bring riverdale into it and jughead turns out to be a meta <laughs> jesus mary and joseph like he can eat as many burgers as he wants to and you find out he's matter eater lad from like this the legion of superheroes and shit oh my god <gasps> oh, well, the one thing, and, 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 and I know this is kind of going tangential because it's not about Amunet, but um, the, the thing that I really like about Caitlin being Killer Frost from way back when is it means that finally, finally, we're going to introduce the idea that metahumans don't have to come from the particle accelerator or DeVoe's little trick on the bus. Right. Finally. Because that's what I've wanted is to just open the war- door up and let there be metahumans that have been metahumans for 20 years, 30 years, whatever, you know, right. from well, other towns. already did that. I'm sorry, Arrow they did that. that. Well, no, they did. It was just Hive had created one metahuman, and they yeah. defeated that guy. But yeah, you know, you're right. They they did, but I'm hoping that the Flash will run with it a little more, and we'll find out there are many other metahumans that were created from other things that have happened throughout the years, and, and just kind of... Because, I mean, they already introduced the Justice League. They already introduced the Justice League in the 40s, so just connect the dots that between then and, and the Particle Accelerator, there have been others. Right. That was actually some of my favorite writing of the season, though, was the subtlety that was the Caitlyn Snow and, uh, and Killer Frost relationship. I thought it was I thought it was handled like I would have liked more of it. But like the fact that it was as subtle as it was and then how it how it ramps up by the end of the season, I thought was really well done. And I thought it was interesting to see how they explored it. I had the same problem I had in the Avengers when Bruce is like, I'm always angry, Cap, and then was just, just like, the, yeah, you know, the Hulk's supposed to be this horrible thing that he doesn't want to transform into, but really, he's just got the Hulk on tap anytime. And that's what it felt like with the Caitlyn Killer Frost thing now, was like, yeah, Killer Frost was supposed to be this horrible murderer, but now it's like Caitlyn's just like, oh, I always have Killer Frost on tap, you know, and can just like, you need some freezing bun, boys? You know, let's do it, you know, and I don't know, I just felt like it was too easy. 
I mean, I still like the idea that Killer Frost is a different person. Like, mm-hmm. I like the fact that there there is a root of Caitlyn still in her, but by and large, she that personality is in control of that power. And it reminded me a lot of Legion, you know, back in the X-Men days, where Legion yeah. would only have a certain power if a certain personality was in control. And right. I like that idea. And I like the idea that, you know, it's taken them, what, three, three years now, basically, two and a half years, to kind of find a way to bring Killer Frost into the fold as a good guy. Like, she's, she's it's finally to the point where, like, she understands, okay, I don't have to murder everybody, even though her first inclination is murder. Murder is fun, (laughs) you know, but at the same time, you know, she's understanding that, well, I don't want this because I actually like these people and these people can't handle me if I'm murdering people. And and I I like the dynamic of that. I think that also brings it back to Amunet because that's kind of Killer Frost on overdrive. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's why, you know, Killer Frost ended up working for her and explains this sort of sympathy that Caitlin has for Amunet as well because she sees herself in her and yeah I don't know unlike apparently a lot of people I actually loved Kitty Sack off in the row I thought I don't know I I, I thought it was a hoot whenever she was on the screen it I mean I just, yeah I'm sorry go ahead oh no I was just gonna say I, I never really thought about her as like a Joker-esque character maybe maybe because at least when they first introduced her they played up more the crime boss and not the anarchist angle of it but I don't know I mean I think I think there's a, a future there with that character that they haven't quite explored. She's too silly to be taken seriously as a crime boss, though. I mean, that's kind of my problem with it, is I can't take her seriously. So I'm kind of glad they just sort of spun her off as a lone wolf kind of thing in the final one, because I think she'll work better in that space. I don't think she's any more silly than some of the crime bosses that Arrow's had. <sighs> all right, if you say so. <laughs> well, okay, well, I mean, let me I mean the fact like that this, Eric okay. can call her evil Mary Poppins tells you all you need to know. <laughs> I mean, so I didn't take her seriously like at all and that's one of the reasons i like the character i don't like she's she's corny as hell yeah and like that's what the fun of the performance is i never took her seriously as like this huge looming threat i always felt like she was like manipulating things kind of that's because she doesn't want to take over central city or the world she just wants her cut of the underground blackjack tables Right, she just wants her cut of the profit, and what I—the reason why she reminds me of Joker so much—is the fact that she takes delight in the chaos that kind of happens from that. And if you've ever read like the old '70s or, or even the '80s version of Joker, there's a lot of him who, you know, he's an underlord, I, I, an, uh, an underworld overlord, which is a weird thing to say, but <laughs> you know, I mean, he's a guy who clearly delights in chaos, but also is like, hey, let's go rob a bank. Why? Because it'll be fun, and you know, like, and it's this weird dynamic that's over the top and makes no sense as the Joker has evolved over time being much more of an anarchist character but you know there, there is a gooey center to that old school Joker that I find there that I like because the Joker when I was a kid never scared me the Joker as I've become an adult and he's become a much more inhuman character frightens me and she reminds me of the fun days where the Joker would show up and yeah okay some people are probably going to die but it's going to be really kind of cool to see how it's going to happen because like smiling fish are going to like bite their faces off or something well, I guess I can see it as kind of like an animated series esque Joker right mm. yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, so, not I mean, a cutting the face off Joker. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Totally different type of Joker. A completely different type of Joker. But when, when I come right down to it, I enjoyed everything that Katie Sackhoff did in it. I, like I said, I don't think she has the right look. I, I, I really think that she looks like somebody who just lost her way off the set of The Matrix Reloaded. And I was like, you know, you're on the wrong movie, honey. And I really wish they had given her a different look. She looks like generic bad villain to me, but... She's so much fun as an actress, and she has such a weird little kink power set that 
it's like those little those little kinky what what are those little metal scraplet things those little shards, shards that she has yeah. yeah you know it's like okay cool she has the shards but it, it's such a weird little combination that it works but it's not necessarily the most well realized character but that's the great part about it is that it doesn't have to be it can now evolve and be something more complex yeah uh, right. like, yeah i think she works as the occasional guest star she she would yeah. not be the overarching villain of a season right no no no, no not at all yeah. Well, I think she would almost be like the, and I forgive this metaphor because it's not a great one, but it's the closest thing I could think of, the Catwoman to Batman, which is, she doesn't show up often in Batman's world, but when she does, it's an interesting moment. <laughs> I'm just imagining her trying to seduce Barry. No, no, yeah, not, oh god, that would be hilarious if she tried to seduce Barry. But, no, like, but, you know, Catwoman is not necessarily a villain that Batman is too concerned with because, like, she's dealing basically with petty crime, and while it annoys him, it's like, okay, you go do your thing. Leave me the hell alone. Yeah. Uh, unless she gets right into his sights, and then he's like, okay, I have to go deal with this woman now. You know, and like that's kind of what Amunet strikes me as, is a person who will come in and will almost be an ally at some times. Like, hey, here's the thing I can help you with. Leave me alone. And Barry's like, all right, cool. Go do your thing. I mean, and um, she could literally slide into the deal that he made with Snart. Right. Yeah. Just don't kill anyone, and I'll kind of look the other way. You know, yeah, I mean, exactly. Um, which uh, that that deal? We're not even going to talk about the deal. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. That's the thing. As much as I loved Snart on Legends, I really wanted another season of Snart and the Rogues because, yeah. especially after you extracted the favors from all the Rogues that he broke out of the pipeline thing while they were moving them, it's like I wanted to see him call in all those favors and do something with it but yeah. yeah and then they all got killed in the courtyard because that's how this season went <laughs> if you if you weren't balling you got bald so <laughs> So uh, we need to talk about Barry since he's the star of the show. Uh, what about him? <laughs> Who? Damn it, Barry! Damn it, Barry! Uh, <laughs> honestly, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm going to take over for a second. I'm sorry. I have to do this because this joke is burning inside of me. I, I think honestly, he spent too much time on the set of Justice League, and he kept tripping over himself, <laughs> and really, it brought down his performance for this season of The Flash. And, and I really think that um, honestly, I, I think Barry needs to apologize to us because um, you know nobody falls face first into Wonder Woman's boobies. That's just mean. <laughs> And I, the season four is a complete train wreck for me because of it, and I'm very mad at him. And okay. Wait for the Snyder cut. Sorry, no, no. Did you say Snyder or Frank Miller? Okay, you <laughs> left that one wide open. You did, you did. Okay, but yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, so, go ahead, Nathan. I'm sorry, please. So, so yeah. I mean, as we've all said, like it was disappointing that Barry came back in the beginning, just because we wanted more with some of the other characters, but. You know, we we got a fresher Barry this time that was not so steeped in the emo. And he only really got close back when Ralph died. And that was understandable because that was, you know, that was a moment that that was something where, you know, I mean, it was a gut punch to all of us. Um, And so it made sense for for that point to him to sort of think that maybe DeVoe is unbeatable and for him to go to kind of a dark place there. So, you know, overall, though, this season had a far more optimistic Barry, which I prefer. I do question him taking a guy to China from prison because <laughs> the Chinese are not very friendly to, you know, people coming in from other countries with no documents. Well, <laughs> so, wait, 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 wasn't it Tibet though? He went to Tibet, wasn't it? It was China. It was some it was some temple in China that very took him to. I could it was Tibet, but yeah, he, he went well, to the part of China. So, well, but, according to China it's China, but according right, to Tibet it's Tibet. But but anyway, my <laughs> so, point stands that well, that was that was nice of Barry. I don't think it's going to work out so well for that guy. But, right. You know, we'll see. Um, or maybe, well, we probably won't see. But yeah, so um, 
you know, I'm, I'm trying to think, though. The thing is, so many of the supporting characters got, like, really cool stuff this season that other than Barry doing the Flash time thing, I don't think Barry got, like, all that much, really, other than getting to be the mentor, but that's connected with Ralph. And, you know, the stuff that, you know, uh, was related to his Ralph relationship, he got married. So, yeah, I mean, guys, is am I right in thinking that this, that Barry didn't get, like, a whole lot to do in his own show? <laughs> it worked. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it did, I think one thing that, and Nathan, you, you now that you've read the comics and, and I've brought you into World of Flash from years ago now, you realize that the biggest strength that the Flash has is that it's not about the Flash. It's about mm. the family. It's about the Flash family. And, you know, reading the Mark, Raid, uh, Mark Wade run of it or any of the Jeff Johns run of it, it's never just been about one singular character. It's about the support team that's around him and how much of that is so intrinsic to the character that when the Flash, and I'm not talking about just Barry, I'm talking to any Flash, when the Flash goes rogue and he's on his own, that's when he comes into problems narratively. That's when he comes into problems emotionally. That's when he comes into problems physically. And that's when he has the hardest time. But when he leans on his people, that's when he's the best. And I think when you look at what they did this season, Barry was exactly what he needed to be. He was a mentor when he needed to be a mentor. He was a person who was the steady rudder and who was confident that it was going to be okay and that they were going to figure it out. And it was not the, oh, my God, I can't save anybody. Oh, my God, I'm so emo. Oh, my God, I'm going to become literally my own worst enemy. You know, it was we're going to find a way through this. We're going to make it through. And when he faltered, they picked him up. And I feel that when you have a character like that, less is actually more for them because you feel the strength of that character coming through. He doesn't have to prove it all the time. He doesn't have to be the center of attention. And I think by and large, they got it this season. Yeah, I mean, Barry is so okay with not being the center of attention that he was okay with Oliver and Felicity crashing his wedding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right? I mean, okay, if, to if be fair, Nazis did it first. Oh, yeah, we're going to get married too right now. It's like, dude, really? <laughs> that was my that was my other favorite moment out of Iris is the fact that she called them out on it even when they weren't around. Right. It's like, come on, Iris, you can, you, can, you should say that to their faces at least. Yeah, <laughs> it would be more amazing if he did. But the fact yeah. that she threw the shade after was pretty great. You know, but I mean, that was something I think was really powerful about Barry is the fact that they figured out that he does not have to be the center of every story because, quite frankly, the Flash as a hero is not the center of the story. He's the He's the mechanism in which the heroic stuff gets done, but he, by being such a, a, a centering figure, does not have to be the center of the universe. He is the center that will hold even if it has skewed left or it has skewed right or it has gone down this tangent. We always know that, that Barry is there. And by extension, Wally would have been there. Then, you know, whomever else comes after that, you know, a Bart and so on and so forth. And I feel like they got it. And while it may seem somewhat boring... It does. I mean, for me, it really shown like when he went to jail and he was in jail and he was trying yeah. to do things from jail. And he was like, I, I got to do this because this is where I'm supposed to be right now because they they've 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 tried me. They convicted me of this thing that I did not do. And I, I love that. And everybody's like, you've got to run. He's like, I'm not going to run. I'm not going to do it. It, it was it was so powerful to see them have the gumption to do that with him that it was impressive to me that they didn't overdo it um and they could have easily overdone it although part of me wishes that barry just decided during the trial to come out as the flash because it would be interesting to see them go the route of his open identity 
I like they he is need in the to. comics. Right. They don't have really to. And, and that would have been that, yeah, I, I I think I think that might have helped get rid of what angst there was in this season. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, they, they, like I say, they didn't do a bad job. I just feel like, you know, that that there were certain choices where I feel like maybe it would have been better to go another way. Wait, wait, you you're telling me that you've got a city that has the Flash, but when the Flash disappears, Barry disappears. Flash's <laughs> headquarters is the Particle Accelerator, which is owned by Barry. And no, I mean, no one has figured this out. I think the entire city knows, like the therapist, and they're just humoring them. They're like, sure, Barry. Yeah, I, when when they, he goes into jitters, I'm sure they're, they're, they're going, oh, it's, it's the Flash again. Right. You know? <laughs> uh, could we're be. Just nice about it. <laughs> All right. So, guys, we're, we're going a little long here. So, uh, I think what we'll do is go just around and any characters we uh if you have a character that you wanted to talk about we haven't talked about yet just pick them and we'll talk about that character so uh ryan uh since we haven't started with you yet if there's any character you wanted to talk about let's do it now we hinted on her but i mean i do think that uh, oh gosh uh uh the mechanic uh, i'm blanking on her name um then uh the thinker's wife i think oh that, yeah that, um marley's yeah. Marlies, thank you. That that was a uh, exceptional performance and a lot of probably the most subtle performance of of any of uh, the roles and with the possible exception, believe it or not, of uh, of Dibney in this entire season because she every time that she realized that, that one episode where she realized that he kept drugging and brainwashing her mm-hmm. and that was just in and of itself that was kind of heartbreaking. Um, I, I sympathize with her even as I acknowledge that hey she's the villain uh, or one of the villains and she's wrong but at the same time I, I felt bad for her so I do think that that a lot of that goes to the actress's performance. Well, it was interesting because you find out even after seeing that they had this sort of like happy home life kind of thing that uh-huh. going back well before there were superpowers involved or anything, he was always the psycho, but she was the optimist. And that's yeah. why when they said there is no good in DeVoe, it made complete sense and it was the perfect way to spin it and going into, well, he's in Ralph's body, so the good is actually Ralph. And right. I liked all of that because it felt like it actually it's it, it satisfied the storyline in a way that I feel like the stuff they did with Zoom and Savitar, it just felt like they pulled stuff out of left field to defeat them. Uh-huh. You know, this felt really good, you know, and it felt like it all built up to that moment. So it yeah, made sense. I, right, it made sense. And I liked that she was the redeemable character and not DeVoe and that they, they went that way. So, yeah, I would love to see her turn up again. Yeah. And also, can we just do a shout out when, like, when she was going full evil and she like pulls out her like swords and shit? <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. Like, <laughs> and, and, and it's just and just going nuts. And I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> when did this chick pick up kung fu? Like, I mean, it was great. Um, like, I, I imagine like they think her captain at some point. Like, he gave her like just a little like one percent little like you know I know kung fu jolt or something, <laughs> so that she could hold her own in a fight. But um, yeah, I mean, dude, I I, I think that. Everything that Marlies brought to the table, she's one of those characters that if you don't bring her back, it would be a crime. And hopefully the writers are realizing that right now and are hopefully trying to find a way to, to lock her in for another season or something. Because I, I would be really disappointed if that's the last time we see Marlies. I, I think yeah. that would be that would be a big disappointing moment because she's a character that I think has a lot of uh, she's got a lot of gas in her. And the actress, like she, she I cannot say enough about this lady. Um, I, I've never really noticed her before, but everything about Kim Inglebright just like was on all cylinders for me. I'm like that lady, 
Like she needs her. Like honest to God, like if somebody does not give her her own series, uh, uh, you know, not obviously as Marlies, but just as an actress, I think they're doing her a grand disservice because I think that she's got something special uh, in her talents, and I would love to see something happen with her um, in a in a bigger setting. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree completely. <laughs> so, Eric, what about you? Is there a character that you wanted to talk about that uh, we haven't gotten to yet? Danny Trejo for the win. <laughs> That's honestly the most arranged I've seen out of him in a really long time. And I don't mean that as an insult. The last right. time I saw this much range was from him was when he finally got to play Bane inside of Young Justice. Yeah. Which, if you haven't seen his performances as Bane, I would highly recommend those episodes of Young Justice because he's the Bane that we've deserved for a really long time. Anyways, he's <laughs> awesome as Breacher. He's so good. So good. I kind of hope he's not gone. Like, they find an excuse to bring him back for at least an episode or two next year just to annoy the hell out of Cisco. I would be all for it. <laughs> I mean, let's be fair. Every time he went, Siski, just, it was comedy gold, man. It was, yep. it was the best just i oh it's so good so good to watch him be a just a holy terror to carlos valdez i mean i i mean that's the only thing you could say he was a holy terror and their dynamic i mean you could literally have a breacher and and a vibe like show just on their own where like you know vibes just trying to like get his father-in-law to like like him and Preacher's just giving him the riot act every episode, and I would tune in every week. A happy camper. I would too. I would too. Yeah, new three's a crowd or something, you know? Right? Like you know, you never actually see Gypsy because he can't lock her contract down, and it's just Danny Trejo and Carlos Valdez. Oh, I want that interesting odd couple. Yes, it'll be so great. It'll be great. Like she becomes the Vera of the show, right? Like you never see her. Like, but you know, she's there. Oh, you know, you're right. She's bears or something, right? Oh, well, she's on Earth 47 right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want some coffee? No, I don't want coffee, dude. The coffee joke will never get old. By the way, yeah. Like, like Breacher, like swearing to never drink coffee again. <laughs> so great. <sighs> Sean, what about you? Uh, character that you want to talk about? Da Cecile Horton. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, the 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 psychic DA Cecile Horton was one of the highlights this season for me, where she starts to like read everybody's mind and they're going nuts. Like, you need to take your wife home, Joe. Right. And Joe's like, I don't want her in the house. <laughs> <laughs> and like, can we just lock her up in the pipeline? Is that a thing? Can we do that? Is that a, is that a thing? Can we do the thing? That was so much fun. And what I loved about it was that. As we had this amazing, and, and I, I mean, we, we honestly haven't even talked about Harry enough, but th- when Harry is going through his problem where the thoughts are there, but they're they're turning into ether right before he can speak them out loud, and she keys in on it, and she's able to say them for him. That dynamic and his respect for her and how much it changed and how much he grew to anticipate and, and need her as a friend and as a confidant was such a great character moment. And it was really something that came out of left field. I never would have thought that I would have liked Cecile as much as I did. Um, not to mention the fact that now I can only think of her as DA 
Cecile Horton. I cannot call her <laughs> Cecile and like feel like I'm doing justice to it. Like I have to call her by the full name. And I, I love that. And I want that to happen more because I, I feel like as the legal mind, she brings a very interesting dynamic to the team. And I would love to see them have to start wrangling with seriously questionable moral issues from a legal perspective. Like uh, like this season, you know, where we had like they knew who the thinker was, but they couldn't prove it. You know, have something like that evolve in a season five where they know who the bad guy is, but they can't prove it because the bad guy's not being brazen about it. And Barry has to try to basically circumvent the law, which is his mother-in-law, st- st- how adopted mother-in-law. How the hell? I can't even say how that incestuous circle of the West. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, right? Step like his mom. basically his his, right, his yeah step, his adopted yeah his adopted stepmom his, his stepmother-in-law. <laughs> I, whatever. Oh, you know what oh. <laughs> right. Ba stepmother-in-law. Um, or, um, <laughs> so that you know, but to to see him having to try to circumnavigate that, I think would be a really interesting thing. Like I said, I would love to see a, an episode or two specifically focusing on how she fits into the Flash dynamic and how the Flash dynamic has gotten to that point because it's clearly happened. We just didn't see it happen on screen, and I would love well, to see more of that. And- Oh, you could play that from both sides. You should see her protecting Flash from like Captain Singh and right. the, the whole legal system. I mean, she's kind of playing both sides against the other. The, yeah, you could see how how the city, the day in the life of Central City, outside the view of Team Flash. Yeah, I mean, I liked her. They 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 brought her into the show as early as season one. It was one scene with her and Joe talking about the legality of locking up metas in the pipeline, and I was like, "This is interesting." I mean, they they should yeah. explore this. And then season two, she's nowhere to be seen. And then I was glad they brought her in season three and had her as a more regular role. But they haven't really utilized other than the trial. Now they haven't really tried to do too much with the legal side. So I'd like to see them do more with, like with that. Like Sean said. The one thing I didn't like, though, is I felt I felt like they had this idea of Cecile being the thing that helps Barry get into Ralph's mind and lets Ralph, like, take back over from Naveau, like, yes. fairly early. And then they, like, dragged out the telepathy thing way too long because it was, like... It was funny in the beginning, and then like they kept like kind of stretching it with now she's taking on personality aspects and other crap, and it was like okay, this is this is not really so funny anymore, guys. It's just kind of getting like weird. <laughs> and then we finally well, get to the point, which is oh okay, she's the one that gets Barry into the mind, and that works. Right. But I feel like they should have just like shrunk it down a little bit, not as many episodes with it, so that it would have felt more powerful with it just being like okay, she gets the power, she gets. You know, uh, she's able to help Harry, and she's able to get Barry into um, into the mind, uh, you know, of, of Ralph's body to be able to fix him. So, uh, I don't right. know. I, I just felt like it went too long. But can we still give credit to a show that introduces the concept of gestational meta-abilities, and that's still not jumping the shark? Right. Yeah. Well, I, you know what? Seriously, <laughs> the fact that that did not feel like a jumping the shark moment. I mean... <laughs> And you know what? If they'd have done this last season, we would have read them the riot act because that's how bad it was because season four was working so well that they basically got a pass on gestational metahuman powers. And the only way I could explain that is that she actually is a telepath, but it's just because of the baby. Like, it's just a latent ability that she can't access naturally. Like, that's a cool idea. Yeah. You know, (laughs) I like that. For me, I'm going to talk about Harry because nobody else picked him, which shocked me. Um, (laughs) I I, I actually kind of figured you were going to, so that's why I didn't pick him. Tom Cavanaugh (laughs) is amazing, as we've discussed. The fact that he's given us three fully fleshed out 
Harrison Wells, uh, you know, with three. Well, three fully fleshed out ones. The other ones are joke things that could never work for a whole season. Like, you know, Hugh Hefner, Harry would not work for a whole season. Cyborg Harry wouldn't work for a whole season. He would eat Cisco uh, in a couple of episodes. And, you know, (laughs) but I do say they did miss a great opportunity with uh, Earth Crisis on Earth X not to have mad scientist right and that's what i was hoping i was hoping the flash of earth x was going to be just the harrison wells of earth x and not thawne again that would be cool yeah because i thought that would be interesting to have because because even though they said that he was thawne he didn't feel like thawne to me yeah he just felt like some crazed mad scientist whereas thawne has always been more calculating than just like oh i like to torture for torture's sake uh, sake which that well that version of thawne seemed to be like he just wanted to hurt supergirl and he thought it would be fun you know it wasn't like i'm doing this because it you know fits a goal that I'm trying right. to achieve. But anyway, yeah, back to back to Tom Cavanaugh and his amazingness. The whole thing with his obsession with the Vogue being so much smarter than he was. Because that's oh, the thing, because so Harry is so self-centered. You know, even though he tries to help people, he tries to do the right thing, Harry is so stuck on himself that that was right. the problem, is the fact that the Vogue could outthink him. And the fact that he had that hubris that he could you know, do one up on DeVoe, make his own thinking cap, do the thing, you know, even uh, playing into activating Gideon and doing all the stuff with River. I actually wondered if we weren't going some route where they were going to turn Harry into a villain or somehow this was Thawne's loophole that he was somehow going to take over uh, Harry's body or something, you know, and I was like, oh my God, what's going on with all of this? This is crazy. And then going like the flowers for Algernon route where it's like, you know, you have all this brilliance, but then it just all goes away. For those of you at home, Flowers of Angela. <laughs> that was that was a deep cut that you just threw out there, buddy. That was a deep cut, man. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, so, like, it's all going away, and him having to deal with the fact that, you know, he's going to lose the thing that he cares about the most, which is his intelligence. He got to play all of that, and that's, you know, and that's on top of him getting to do the Council of Wells and all that stuff, which was fun. Like I say, none of the, I don't think any of those characters would work for a full season. That was just Tom Cavanaugh showing off that I can do, like everything you You throw you you pull a character concept out of a hat and i'll give it to you it was it's probably literally he went into the wardrobe room and saw what they had and and you know in the beginning they showed that gandalf wells that they like got rid of really quickly Uh, gandalf wells would have been amazing to see but but Um, yeah i I, know I was just going to say, I thought my favorite, like, just one-off Wells was the Andy Warhol Wells. The the Warhol Wells cracked me up, where mm-hmm. he's just like, no, we do not like you. Right. You, are no lo- you are no longer smart. You are out of the group. You know, uh, I love Warhol Wells. He he cracked my ass up. He, I loved him. But yeah, I mean, the core Wells storyline, I think, in this was strong. I liked how he played it. And, you know, and even the fact that when he got back to just average intelligence, that he was just kind of happy, you know, that he had at least come out of being you know, almost incapable of doing anything and everything. I mean, it felt it felt like it made sense. It felt right. And I think he played it well. And my favorite part of that scene is when he quotes, like, you have been, always will be my friend. And Iris <laughs> says, oh, Star Wars. And Barry looks like, oh, my God, no, you're going to start a fight, you know? Like, the look on Barry, that's the, like, the best acting Grant Gustin has ever done, the look of pure yeah. horror that Iris said Star Wars for a Star Trek quote. <laughs> It just endeared me to Barry so much right there. <laughs> He's just trying to jump in front of that bullet, right? right? Like, just go! <laughs> Forget Savitar. Like, all of fandom across the world is going to kill you now. 
right? Like Vive has now sworn like a blood oath against Iris West Allen, like you are gonna die. You know, like just, just, he's like, I'm gonna vibe you into a bunch of bones. Just you know, like, yeah, I, I would love to find out that that was an ad lib and that the look on Grant Gustin's face was actually true horror <laughs> that she thought that that was Star Wars and not Star Trek. Right, <laughs> that would just be so beautiful. But, that would be. Well, I, I mean, I really like what they did with Harry and the fact that w- one of the metaphors I think that they have they've danced around with Harry is is that intelligence can be a burden. People who are on the higher spectrum of IQs have a really hard time connecting with other humans. They have a really hard time because it's such an abstract concept for them. You know, mathematics and science and and the these highly intellectual ideals become so easy for them to grasp. Basic human interaction seems at first daunting, then frivolous, and then finally absolutely pedantic and not worth their interest at all. Um, so by the time they're full-grown adults, they cannot function in a human society unless they're constantly proving how much better they are than everybody else because they feel the fear of, I can't just be myself. I, I have to, to to break you down in order to make myself feel better. And I mean, I've known some hyper-intelligent people who are like that. Um, I mean, as a person who is of fair intelligence himself, I've run across problems like that, and I've had to work on them. And I think that the fact that they showed that the intelligence can be a burden, and that intelligence can be something that, if you let it run unchecked, can absolutely destroy you, is a perfect metaphor for what Harry was going through. And then, of course, as he starts to devolve, and he goes through his, you know, his flowers for Algernon stage as you said when cecile basically tells him but you still have empathy you know and and he's like empathy (laughs) right (laughs) like it starts to hit him he's like empathy (laughs) yeah Uh, although i'm gonna call this one it's another thing it brings it back to iris a little bit the fact that iris who was supposedly the investigative reporter couldn't find out where marlise was but harry just sort of like feeling it through with empathy was able to figure it out i called shenanigans on that because it's like really iris That, that is a little fair, but at the same time, I did like the fact that it gave Harry, it proved to Harry that he's not just the brain, yeah. that he can be something beyond the brain. He can be something that has evolved past being just smart. And when he finally came back to being of average or, you know, very, very, very gifted, but nowhere near, you know, the the Harry that we've come to know and love, you know, it, the burden of intelligence was lifted off of him to the point where he was able to finally see the flowers. He was able to finally notice and see the people around him and he was able to appreciate them. And if that's the last time we see that version of Harrison Wells, that's a really beautiful place for them to leave it off of with him. I loved his equation where he wrote like <sighs> DeVoe minus happy face equals sad face. And he was yes! like, do you guys want me to walk you through this? Cause it's really complicated. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the devolving Harry was one of the great things that was happening because you could see it was killing him, but they would have these great moments of comedic genius where, like, all he had was his feelings, you know, and it's like he was stripped down bare. And, yeah, the DeVoe... Oh my god, the devote by the smiley face equals happy face was one of the great moments ever. Yes, I I love that. It was was fantastic. But I love that's what they did with him. And again, it shows the brilliance and the the fact that whatever money he asks for, you pay him and you say, thank you, sir, can I have another (laughs) to Tom Cavanaugh? But then again, I've liked him since Ed. I mean, he's always been an actor that I've really enjoyed. So I I, I just love seeing him on TV. And I love that he has such a fun role. Because... I honestly don't know what we're going to get next season with Harry, but I know whatever they choose, I'm probably going to like it. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, it would be interesting if they showed us more of Earth 2 also, but I don't know if they're ever going to go that route. I I do want to see if Mayor Snart is actually Leonard Snart or if it's the dad, but anyway. 
So, so yeah, um, enter flash time. Let's talk about that uh, really briefly just before we go, because I know, Sean, you want to talk about it. So, Sean, why do you love enter flash time so much? Okay, so there is an issue of the flash that I am like, I, and, and I've talked about it a million times over. So uh, if you've never read it, it's literally an, uh, an issue where Wally is on a plane and Wally explains the reason why he's afraid to be on a plane and why Barry was so petrified of flying was the idea that if something horrible was about to happen, he would kick into hyperspeed and he would be in flash time for the entire crash. And while it would only be a few horrible minutes for the people on the plane, it would be a lifetime for a speedster. And it has always terrified Barry that that would be how he dies, is he would die in in flash time and it would take months, if not years, for him to die. And, of course, in that particular episode, the plane does have a catastrophic failure and Barry uh, and Wally, having no ability to run in midair, jumps out of a plane to save a woman because nobody dies when he's on tap. Like, he has to try to save everybody, even if it means he's going to die himself. And it's an entire issue where he's falling out of a plane. Like, that's the whole issue. He's fallen out of a plane. He's going to save this woman who wants to be a comedian and he finds a way to do it and they both survive. And it's amazing and it's a one shot and it has nothing to do with nothing. <laughs> and I love that issue because it is such a great moment. I think it's issue 89. Was it that high? I thought it was 50 something. No, I want to say it's like issue 89 because it's right before they start getting into the Savitar uh, run. And of course, I'm, I'm going to want to go look it up now, but I'm not going to. But... Right, because I don't think it was a Mark Wade one. It was pre-Mark Wade. It was um, William Messner Loeb's, I want to say. Because um, I read that. That was one of the ones you told me to read. That I made you read. Yeah, I made you read it. I mean, but you see what I'm saying, though. I mean, you know how much I love that, that issue. Yes. And I mean, I love that issue. And, and so what's funny is when I heard that the episode was going to be called Enter Flash Time, I was like, oh, God, they're going to try to kill Barry. And I'm like, okay, what are they going to do? And when you get the 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 episode, it was that moment where Barry. I mean, the fact that they started at the end, uh, the fact that they're playing with the narrative, they're doing a Quentin Tarantino thing where we're starting at the end of the episode, and Barry can't fix it. No matter what he does, this nuclear bomb is going to go off, and he can't stop it. And he's taking the last couple of seconds before the bomb goes nuclear to to basically have a moment with Iris. I loved all of that it was so it was such a departure from the devoe of it all and i was all about this i was like this is amazing and then we got to see how he got there and how he tries to get cisco into it and how he tries to get caitlin into it and how he tries to get i mean even jay gets into it you know and i mean they, they oh, jesse's jay. in it and you know and jay and jesse and i mean everybody shows up and they're all trying to do this thing with barry and nobody can keep up with him you know and they keep falling out of flash time and he knows in the end if this doesn't fix it he's on his own and it's going to be a nuclear bomb to the face that will take months to kill him and i just oh oh like i just oh so good i've probably said it before but i'm also i'm gonna say it again now john wesley ship brings such gravitas to jay mm -hmm. that i mean the man has been done a disservice as an actor that he wasn't you know given like 10 seasons of the flash series back in the 90s yeah because man is he good <laughs> So I said, like, it's like a plus 10 on a 10-point scale every time he, he shows up. And, you know, just the whole idea of Jay's getting old. And Jay can't run like he used to. And, right. you know, all that stuff. You know, I mean, it's like, he just plays that so well. And now I'm worried that we're not going to get any more Jay. And that was John Wesley Shipp telling us that they're, that he's, you know, stepping out of the show. And I'm like, no. <laughs> we still need some Jay Garrick. 
I, I mean, John Wesley Ship doesn't have a crazy, insane schedule, so I think if they found a way to bring him back, they would. But it's it's the it's the the the, the breacher concept all over again. You know, he's getting older, and you know maybe they go to him for advice, not necessarily for speed, um, which would be fine. I, I mean, I don't think anybody on this show or anybody watching the Flash would object to Jay not being a speedster anymore, but being a point of reference, being somebody they can talk to because he's been a speedster for twenty years, right? No, no, I agree, and, and I think that something like this was a good use of having the multiple speedsters mm-hmm, and I like mm-hmm. having that with you know Jay or Barry having other people to talk to in super right. speed and trying to work up the solution and then they all because they're not quite as fast as Barry they're all they all fall out of it you know and everything else and so that helped kind of ramp up the tension of the episode and everything so yeah I, I liked this one and it was it's my favorite until, like I said I felt like the ending was kind of like uh okay you guys just made something up at the end because you didn't know what to do <laughs> but everything up to that point was great <laughs> yeah I, I mean like and i compare this to that issue um uh but i mean there definitely is a uh um there there like at the end of the issue that we were talking about that flash issue where basically wally figures out a way to create a gust of wind in order to stop himself from from falling and uh he also uh starts to create friction with just moving his legs fast enough where he's able to stop himself and create a thermal draft and he does about six different things to slow himself enough and then he aims for the trees and he's like i'll heal whatever it is i just got to make sure the lady survives you know and, and it's like it's like six different things he does you know that was a well thought out ending to how the hell does the flash use his super speed to save somebody falling out of an air plane versus the episode which is okay we just had 33 really great minutes of just <laughs> great drama and we have seven minutes to wrap this up so mcguffin and then they just got well yeah and especially <laughs> since they've, they've they've described the speed force as intelligent so it's like so the speed force is fooled first by this thing you put in place for barry and then it's like oh and then you trick it into like blowing up this bomb and it's like I, I hope that the speed force is just trolling them and it never really wanted barry because you know that would be great but they never give us that in the story if it's like no no, you know, like this was just like a way of training you or something. <laughs> Whatever. <sighs> Whatever. Oh, and I'm sorry, you know what? You're right. It was Flash issue 54. I apologize. Aha! Woo! You're right. It was Flash 54. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had to go because it was pissing me off. Yeah, it was called Freefall. So, um, yeah, it's. Yeah, because I, I remember it distinctly it wasn't a Mark Wade. It was before Mark Wade. And then all the other yeah, ones yeah, that I read yeah. from you were Mark Wade. Yeah, it, was but... Messner, it was Messner Lobes. Yeah. 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 But it, it was right after he got the. Uh, I always get the my my milestones confused because that's when uh, Wally finally gets the Mercury looking costume where it's all metallic looking. Mm. Um, and I always put that mentally in my brain when he goes into the Speed Force and he comes out of it. And I'm like, no, that's actually. That happened way earlier. So that's, that's my bad. Okay. Ryan and Eric, you guys want to say anything about Enter Flash Time? Uh, no, Sean covered it. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I ran him over. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's, I can't really add to it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was a good episode. I don't know that it was my favorite of the season. Well, and, the, the great thing about it, though, was building was. the Speed Force lore. You yeah. Know? And that's and, something and that they... the show hasn't been doing very well up to this point. And so it was great to sort of build on the abilities Barry has you know, beyond exactly. just running fast. That, that episode laid the groundwork for, you know, the end of the season when he needed to bring Caitlin and Cisco into, the, you know, to, to for the same concept. But, I mean, I, that was one of those episodes where uh, it was a standalone episode, right? I right. mean, except for the fact that it yes. expanded some of the lore. 
it didn't really add to the overall storyline, but in its own uniqueness, it was, it was, you could watch that in any season just about and enjoy it for what it is. Um, I think you have to turn your brain off a little bit more than, than a lot of the other episodes for it, but because it's the same thing, like how Barry can feel a bullet on the back of his neck, but not a dart. He can move faster than nuclear We're not supposed to remember that anymore. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) But it's one of those type of, of, of instances where right. don't think about it, just enjoy it for what it is, and it's pretty good for that. No. No, no, I agree, but I mean, I just appreciate the fact that they're trying to build up those powers a little more, because it just seemed to me like they were always going to treat it like all that Barry can do is run really fast, yeah. and because of that, time travel. And I think you can make the argument, at least with regards to the speedsters they had there, you know, Jesse and Jay and so forth, that Barry's definitely the fastest one alive of all of them, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Well, I love that on Legends that like uh, Nate calls Wally the second fastest man alive, and Wally's like, fastest. You know, so like, I think they can set up like a little bit of a rivalry but the fact that keenan's lion keenan lionsdale might not really be around much you know means that that rivalry won't get very fun you know because you kind of need for them to be going toe to toe to to make it fun but whatever but but to be quite honest i think that's a and i mean we're going to go into the woods here for a second but i think that's the wrong thing to do with wally wally has never been i mean is anybody reading the current flash storyline by the way yeah anybody Yep. So they just got into this, basically. They, they they just got into this. And Barry has basically flat out said, Wally is faster than me. There is no question that Wally is faster than me. Wally is driven by something that I can never have. And it, it is it is something that Barry deals with because Wally doesn't rub his nose in it until Wally rubbed his nose in it because they had Flash War, which is a, a pretty intense thing. And Nathan, you and I should talk about it when we finish up. But one of the things that happens in that is there's this moment where they talk about the fact that you know, Wally has always been a person who looks up to Barry and sees Barry as the ideal and works towards being as good as his mentor, never in a rivalry way, but as a, this is how I honor the man who helped raise me way. And to then turn Wally on the show into a rival feels false to me. That's much more of a impulse kind of thing than it is a Wally West kind of thing. And that's the problem is that, and we've talked about this, the Barry that we have on the show is much more like Wally. And the wall we have is much more like impulse. And from that perspective, it's fine. But it's not as true to the characters as I would like it to be. I, w- I would prefer it to be Barry as Barry and Wally as Wally. And in that aspect, I think that it would be a disservice to make him competitive versus Barry versus being. It's never pro- like there's this great moment where they bring Barry back from the dead in Flash Rebirth. And there's this beautiful moment where, you know, they're both running. And Wally says, well, I'll give you back this cow. You know, you can be the Flash again. And without hesitation, Barry says, no. This is the Flash. We're all the Flash. And you see the entire Flash family. You got Max Mercury in there, Johnny, Jesse. You have Irie. You have Jay. You have Wally. You have Barry. I mean, you have everybody all running, all for one purpose. And they all are the Flash, basically. You know, and nobody's fighting for it because they can all be the fastest man or woman alive. And it's not a competition. It's because they're together. And that's something unique to that family. And I hate that they don't play that up more. Which is why when we got to We Are Flash... When I read We Are Flash, I'm like, oh, crap, they're all going to become the Flash. This is going to be amazing. And then they didn't do it. I'm like, you screwed me again. (laughs) Yeah, I like that idea better, though, that it's like all the speedsters are the Flash rather than it's just Barry and Iris. That it's like, because we're married, we're the Flash. (laughs) 
<laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So we really need to cut things off here, but let's, uh, you know, uh, as we say our goodbyes, um, if there's uh, any episode or anything you want to give a shout out to, uh, say that episode. And if there's anything that you want uh, to see in season five, you know, uh, give that a shout out as well. So to start off, Eric, why don't you sign out, uh, give your shout outs and yeah. Barry and ralph detective adventures mm. <laughs> yep. always more and more with joe with joe helping them because that would be even aw- more awesome oh the three like, of them they become like a private pi firm yeah yeah oh, oh that would yeah. be amazing yeah. like yes. things just riding them too hard and so they quit <laughs> and join with ralph like, so barry's are- Okay, so Barry's the forensic guy, and then... I don't know, Sing wouldn't ride him too hard. It would be Sing having to, like... (laughs) Sing's always riding Barry too hard. That's the whole thing. Okay, slight backup just real fast, because one of the most underrated moments of the whole season is the fact that, yes, Sing had to testify in court, but the way he testified was basically backing Barry's character. Yeah, you know, what the prosecution needed to do was call Julian to the stand. <laughs> right? Right? Where the hell is We don't talk about yeah, him. Yeah, we don't talk yeah, about him anymore. Julian? <laughs> Who, who's Julian? Did they get his contract? No, they didn't. Well, I guess we don't talk about him no more. He's hanging out with Pied Piper on some lake island somewhere. <laughs> That would actually be funny if they got all the actors that they thought they had a future for, but then, like, didn't come back and they could just get them for one episode altogether and they just reveal that they've all been hanging out somewhere. I'd love that. Uh, actually, I think that would be amazing. Right, I, right. I, now I want to see that happen. We're like, it's just... Like, you know, glider, um, <laughs> Julian... Like, no, seriously, they're all on a beach, right? And it starts off with one character. It's Golden Glider, <laughs> and then, like, a little bit later, here comes, like, Pied Piper, and then, like, uh, then a little bit later, Patty shows up, you know, and then a little... <laughs> Like, here comes Julian, and they all just come to the same island, and they're like, Flash, am I right? Yeah. Like, oh my god, that would be amazing. That's like, a, we're ending the show, and we're doing this as a joke. Right. Yep, I, I won't. Yep. All right, I'm sorry I interrupted you, Eric. Yeah, but, sorry. Uh, <laughs> people can uh, find me on Twitter. I'm just at Eric Ratcliffe. I am very easy to find. And that is where you can find basically everything else when I'm not retweeting, uh, when I'm not retweeting, retweeting pop culture and wrestling stuff. I am usually talking about my own work or other stuff. Uh, the new comic day website should be back up very soon. Yay. And, uh, hopefully I will be starting the podcast back up soon. It's been interesting lately, but, uh, yeah, find me there and you can find whatever the heck I am up to. All right, great. And Ryan, why don't you say goodbye, let people know where they can find you, and give any shout-outs that you want to give to The Flash. Uh, well, you know, I'm looking forward to Nora next mm. season. Uh, you know, she was there, like, almost every episode, every third episode, just hanging around the background. And I think anyone who's... I think we all knew where they are going with that. But And, you know, finally figuring out... It's kind of like they dropped the ball with Barry writing the weird script and then dropping that until oh look nora's writing the in a journal the same language or whatever so yeah looking forward to that it actually looks like they had a plan we'll see what happens with that but yeah that's next season uh you can find me hanging out here on like every third podcast uh you can find me on twitter at geek stranger which will get you to my facebook and all that other jazz uh life's been pretty hectic lately so i haven't had, had much of a online social media presence not that you could tell if in like you, the last seven months yeah <laughs> granted my website's a little behind yeah like i said i think my last review was wonder woman or something like that <laughs> and i haven't done any 
podcast shares, but I'm going to get to it. It's on my list of things to do, Nathan. Okay. Yeah, right, right up there with updating Skype. It's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let me know when you get around to that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so, Sean, uh, why don't you say goodbye, let people know where they can find you, and if you have anything for season four that you would like to happen. Or season five. Sure. Well, right, season five, yeah. Well, well, first off, th- thanks for letting me on the show, guys. Uh, I know I can tend to ramble on, and, and when I do, I, I take over pretty hard. I apologize if I stepped uh, a little too far in the fast lane to, to coin a phrase. Uh, you're good. Yeah, yeah no problem, <laughs> but, Sean. I mean, I would be remiss for not having the world's foremost Flash fan on a Flash episode. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it was, yeah, I've been waiting to talk about this for a while now because I, I was impressed with how radically they were able to improve this show just from the dregs of season three. And it made me so happy. And one of the best moments that happened in this entire season, uh, we've already talked about a little bit, was the Elongated Night Rises, where literally Ralph has to deal with the fact that he's mortal and he's fighting against a trickster. And, and uh, just, it was so great. And, and uh, I, I loved everything about that. And I think that that alone is one of those episodes. If you've never given this season a shot because you didn't like what they did last season, go watch the Elongated Night Rises and, and you will be pleasantly surprised because not only did they do a great job of that, they also did a really great flash back to the original 1990 flash um where they uh um brought back uh, uh judy right was that her name trickster and judy yes prank no it was prank. prank yes prank it was prank where we get prank back um which was just an amazing moment uh so even though they didn't get mark hamill we got prank which was just a great rounded circle loved every single moment of it um what i'm looking forward to in season four i'm looking forward to them finally going to the rogues again uh flash has always been generational so them handing off the mantle to new people i have no problem with i think that'll be a lot of fun i would love for the villain of season five to be multiple rogues as a team learning how to work together i think that would be something really nice instead of being one super uber villain being a bunch of people working as a group i I think that would really showcase what i've always loved about their villains but uh as far as where you can find me online uh, i don't really do a whole lot right now i've actually been semi-retired for quite some time um other than occasional shots you know here on nathan's show or just kind of popping up randomly um but of course you can find me on the internet uh at twitter i'm at numaz which is p-n-e-u-m-a-z you can also find me like on instagram uh same thing and uh there is a show that i've been working on with my buddy Brittany, who as you know we used to do the bs hour under sean castic um there was a segment called the star trek report and i think we're getting close to wanting to bring that back onto youtube Mm. so that's something that might be happening relatively soon but that's we're all still working that out so hopefully we'll be able to do something like that but uh otherwise you know just look out for me and if you see me say hey especially if you go to pop cycled bobbles and uh find out where we're going to be next two shows are dragon con and new york comic con so if you're going to be at one of those come by say hey tell them how much you love nathan's show i'll make sure to pass it on to him and yeah i'd love to talk to you guys all right awesome and yeah for me for season four i am going to uh say that i want uh since obviously they're going a different route than the comics with barry and iris's kid you know slash possibly kids in the future what i want to see from nora because i know that the writers have talked before about how that they've uh, kicked the impulse idea around is that nora is just their version of impulse um you know and do sort of a gender bent thing there because she seems to have like a lot of like nervous energy and that sort of right. whole idea like bart always was that he was always moving at super speed and so it was like he was constantly just annoyed by like things going slowly and stuff like that so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i'd like them to sort of see that go that route with it because that would give and because of the age difference a little bit bigger than between barry and wally that that would allow them to do more of that mentor mentee 
relationship with the speedster that I feel like because Wally was also Joe's kid and because Wally was closer in age, it was more of a rivalry dynamic between Wally and Barry, which, as Sean said, wasn't, you know, wasn't as good, you know, for them. So, so yeah, that's what I'm hoping to see with Nora. I know that um, I've been told that the uh, that at least a villain for season five is Cicada, who I don't know at all from the comics, uh, but I know that there is speedster shenanigans involved. So the cult of the Flash is what it's called. Yeah. yeah so I'm hoping to see some of that speed force power stuff that I was hoping Savitar was going to bring uh, that we didn't get. So mm-hmm. you know, looking forward to that as well because I'm telling you guys, speed ninjas. That's it. Well, you know, not, not not to derail your thought, but I mean, basically, I, I always viewed Cicada kind of as a, as a low rent version of Savitar in the book because he never had super speed, but he worshipped the Flash and the Speed Force. So they could take all the stuff that didn't happen with Savitar and easily transplant at least the speed cult and him giving people Speed Force powers into that super easily. Um, so I, I say you have a better than decent shot at getting speed ninjas in season five. Yes! And also Max Mercury. That's the, I'm going to throw that out there. Yeah. I want Max right, Mercury. Right, your eternal hope for Max Mercury. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's my favorite speedster, people. And it would be I really know. awesome for Barry to have a mentor that, you know, they could lock into a car. Because Jay is the mentor, and they've kind of given Jay some of that Max Mercury role. But B- Jay shows up, like, once a season. And it would be nice for us to have the semi-regular that like you know mentoring you just want the zen guru of speed yeah. you know that's all it is <laughs> since you heard the title of his name the zen guru of speed you were like instantly max mercury <laughs> I know. oh god i love max mercury <laughs> no, god, I, I, think, so I think there's a cool character thread there of the idea of the guy who just wants to run fast enough and can never quite get there you know yeah but that's that that's like his goal but they would have to change and the speed force he keeps bouncing around right yeah and, and, but they'd have to yeah. make the speed force a goal again and not hell you know because yeah, that. that's that's the only problem with that as the uh, yeah they got to rehabilitate the speed force something fierce right so we'll see maybe we'll find out that it's actually like barry's been dealing with like the paw rates of the speed force and there's actually this whole <laughs> other side of it <laughs> you know? it's like no man it's the cool out. side <laughs> Oh, go my God. Here. And you know who Max Mercury could be, right? Avery Brooks. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Now this needs to happen. You have the Cisco as Mad Max. I think your brain would explode if they did that. Yes, it would, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not. I'm okay with that casting. I think that that would work really well. <laughs> The Cisco comes back as a speedster in the 21st century. Oh, God. I want that to happen. <laughs> Oh man! But guys, thank you so much for doing this. This this has been a ton of fun. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, it's a blast. Thanks for having us. And our race is over for our Flash season four retrospective. I hope that you liked this episode as much as we had fun making it. And you can let us know that by contacting us in a number of ways. One of those ways is to email us at everything at 42cast.com. You can drop us a line on our website at 42cast.com. You can contact us through Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast, or you can tweet to us at at 42cast. You can also leave us a review on Stitcher Radio or iTunes. And once again, I want to ask that as many people as possible leave us the review on iTunes because that is the way that it recommends podcasts to people. So the more reviews that we have, the more people will hear about the 42 cast and the better off the show will be. I don't know if Stitcher Radio actually does anything like that. I think that the reviews are just for people inspecting a podcast and looking at it. But if you don't have iTunes, then I would definitely ask you to leave a review on Stitcher Radio. 
I'd like to make sure that everybody knows about the Earth Station One Patreon. It benefits all the shows on the network, and you can get exclusive episodes from all the different podcasts that are part of the Earth Station One network as part of that Patreon. So I did put an episode up. It's uh, the Countdown to Infinity War panel from Chicago TARDIS 2017, but there's a lot of other uh, episodes up there from the other podcasts in the Earth Station One network, and all the proceeds go to keeping our podcast on the air. So please check it out. I also wanted to make sure and mention that I will be going to Chicago TARDIS this year, 2018. Then if you're going, you might see me on a panel. I don't have my panel list yet, but I know that I'll be on at least some panels. And I'm hoping that I might even be able to get some interviews locked down uh, with some of the guests. But watch this space and I will keep you informed. And if you see me at Chicago TARDIS and want to uh, say hi and let me know that you listen to the show, then please do that because I'd love to meet some of our fans. But that brings our podcast this week to an end. Please join us back next week when Stephen Amell will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan signing off. You've been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2018. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42 cast.com. Theme music is sharper swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. Incidental music is provided with permission by Fur DK. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.